happening party people and welcome to another edition of talking during movies the podcast right the key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation i know i get the emails you didn't reference the movies you missed my favorite part i don't know your favorite part because i don't know you uh, i'm sorry and yeah sometimes i don't reference the movie very much z trip was a prime example of that obviously i was also had a couple of pops in me i was a little nervous it showed i apologize but still i mean 500,000 downloads you guys didn't complain that much so i'll take it i'll take the 100 bad emails and the 500,000 downloads and i'll run with it folks i'm going to run with it joining me today is a longtime friend uh, i privileged to meet her years ago in los angeles i have sampled her baked goods i have been entertained by her comedy i have been enlightened by her wisdom and now I'm going to get treated to a much longer conversation. We're gonna learn about cocktails and life and San Diego and, and everything that's been going on with her. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, my sister from another mister, <laughs> Mickey Cristola, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I hope you have a cocktail ready. I do, I got some stuff ready, don't you worry. I gotta, I gotta go a little light because I gotta pick the kid up. So, you know, they frown on that whole boozy Same. breath thing. Same. Yep. <laughs> They're like, sir, have you been podcasting? Maybe. Let's enter from the south gate. <laughs> Come on. Where's the wind at? I got to stand the other angle. Wind in my face. <laughs> so real quick, before we get into the movie and our relationship and everything else, the socials, where's, where can people find you? What's the best way for them to engage with you? And then also tell us a little bit about your business and uh, some of the cool stuff you said. Fantastic. So I have a new product called uh, New Fashion Dry Cocktails. They are called a dry cocktail because they are dry as in a powder and they have no alcohol in them. So you get to add your own preference of alcohol to these cocktails. Uh, they come in little stick packs. They're perfect for taking on a plane. If uh, I don't know if any of the planes are serving alcohol. I think, I think like Alaska is so like there's, there's okay, like offshoots. Right. So if you're Yep, you're going uh, Alaska Airlines and going to Anchorage and you're like, you know what, I just want some vodka or tequila or whatever. Uh, you simply add our dry cocktails to your spirit and ice and you have a really, really, really good cocktail. I you, think they're the same. Like I've worked in cocktail bars for a number of years. I know it tastes good. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a few cocktail bars that really excel at making great drinks. And if you can get to them, that's great. And 
I think there's something missing for when you're not in a cocktail bar or you don't want to leave the house, or if you are traveling, having that little bit of uh, something special in hospitality for yourself that you can make it yourself. Now, how difficult is this process for you? Because you know, here I am, almost 50, and I remember drink mixes was only being shipped. Right. You've got the you've got the, the liquid right. one. You're like, just put some vodka and burp. you got a margarita kind of sort of head ahead. And everything was kind of oh, yeah. sort of nothing ever tasted good. It was Correct. like, oh, well, <laughs> add a little tang and then, you know, take your dog's toe and put it in there for a second, you know, and then spit yeah. twice. And it's going to be the best thing ever. You know, like, this is still yeah. just tang and vodka. This is awful. It's not a vodka, OJ. It's right. it's a shitty McDonald's experience. And I'm not even drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I did a lot of uh, <laughs> research with what was out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had people coughing in rooms based on like some other products, um, like the smell, the, the aeration that happens when they open up, the eight ounces to 12 ounces of water you're supposed to add to them, the shaking in the Nalgene. We're not any of that. So... <laughs> We are natural ingredients, real ingredients that are dried and condensed, uh, mm. doing the real flavors. Like I have, I have two flavors right now. I have the margarita and I have the old fashioned mm-hmm. and, um, the, the margarita tastes just like fresh squeezed lime, Cointreau or Grand Marnier. And then all you get to, you get to choose your booze. Choose your booze. I like choose it now. Favorite. Website, obviously people can order this online. Uh, where can they find it? Website is www.thedrycocktail.com. Excellent. Um, on Instagram, we are at the dry cocktail. Okay. And we are also hashtag the dry cocktail. Fantastic. I'm going to follow you easy right peasy. now. Uh, as, I, as, I, as I search you up real quick and just show people, uh, people love this part, right? They're like, oh, Jay, this is my favorite part where you look up stuff on your phone uh, because I can see it as well. And I'm like, oh, you know, come on. So as, we're, as I'm looking at the dry cocktail and the, I put in the D-R-Y and there it comes up, boom, boom, giving you guys a follow here. Uh, the movie you picked, Grindhouse, Death Proof, Quentin Tarantino, he's been on a rampage lately, talking to a lot of people. He just got there talking to Rogan here in Austin. He says he's going to make one more movie and he's done. He wants to quit in his prime. You picked Death Proof. What is it about Death Proof that you like so much? What is it about this movie that rings true to you? It is just badassery of women uh it's kind of set in two pieces Mm -hmm. so the first half is different than the second half um i absolutely fell in love with zoe bell from this movie um i know she's been in several of quentin's movies um she's the the stunt woman she was uma thurman's stunt woman in (laughs) uh kill bill Mm -hmm. um she's just so charming and wonderful and um I don't want to spoil the ending, but the ending is, <laughs> it ends on a high note. One of the best car chase scenes I've ever seen. Nice. Makes my heart pound every time. Uh, I'm a huge fan of a good car chase scene, like the Bourne movies. Um, anytime there's a car chase scene, that's good. <laughs> Just <laughs> clenching my seat and like, oh my God. Go run. Um, yes. Nice. Drive well, faster. Drive faster. Well, folks, here we go. Go ahead and hit play. Let's hit play together here. And boom, we'll get this as the intro is coming in. So I wanted to bring something up with you because I saw this and I, I found this fascinating. So I just finished that television series, The One. Have you seen it? Sorry, what's The One? The One. 
So this uh -huh. lady invents a scientific process where if she gets your DNA, kind of, I mean, think of like 23andMe, but if 23andMe evolved, we're like, oh, would you like to know who you're most suited with biologically? And, and then they're just, and it becomes a national law kind of. We're like, this is how you should, you know, we want divorce rate. Divorce rates are out of control is the premise of the show. They get the one. The one allows people to find their person without having to date, without having to go through the nuance of, you know, the bad relationship to get to the good. Yeah. But missing elements, right? One, great stories are bad dating stories. Two, <laughs> how we met as silly as it is to say Tinder or, you know, plenty of fish or introduced by friends seems a hell of a lot better than, well, I signed up for 23 and me. And then I got another thing. It's like, are you single or are you not happy in your relationship? And I was like, I'm not very happy. It's like, well, that's because you're not with the right person. We found the biological match for you. And it's Wanda in Cincinnati. And, you know, she's a 24-year-old Polish lady. And I know you're almost 50, but don't worry. She's got an old soul and a bright spirit. And it's like, <laughs> oh, shit, I got to get there. I got to go find one in Cincinnati now. <laughs> you know, one, I don't think the movie's that far off, right? We're mm -hmm. just right. leveraging technology into ways that I wonder what's going to happen. But yes. two, I mean, life's fun with mistakes. Oh, Yeah. It is. It's just fun. I mean, think of what could have been. Let's go to our first time really hanging out. The golf tournament, the George Lopez Celebrity Invitation. Yeah. Right? 2012. Well, <laughs> 2012. A lot of mistakes made. A lot of yeah. mistakes made that are, one, let's be real honest. Uh, if we would have taken it halfway seriously, we might, we might have won. We had a couple of really good golfers. <laughs> we did. We did. Two, we have an Irish caddy who liked to get us drunk. And three you know they let me kind of run the show with you and regan and uh well there you go mistakes made <laughs> you know where the guy from csi got so mad he was just like he hated life because right. he was gonna lose you know i'm still friends with vanessa really we still text i stay at her house ah. when i'm in la what yeah that's great she was such a sweetheart <laughs> she's the nicest woman alive she's the <laughs> nicest woman alive and then you know she got divorced from him. She's uh, married to a, a, a police officer named MC, who was awesome. Okay. Her son, who was out there, you know, he just graduated mm -hmm. high school. Like he's going to college now. The rascal. I know. It's crazy. I don't know where the years go. I feel like I am completely in a time warp. I keep seeing uh, people or friends on Instagram that, you know, I have separate periods of my life when I've moved to different cities or done whatever. I'm like, they, in my mind, are the same age as when I left them. But then I see them old. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm old. What, what, when did that happen? When did, when? Yeah. You know, and it seems like this last year accelerated that time loss, right? Because we, yeah. were, we, we were kind of put away. I, I wonder for you, going back to, to mistakes here really quick, do you have a, a funny date, bad experience that you can laugh about now, but at the time you're like, oh, I mean, like you hear the stories, right? If I text you, you text me back. There's an mm -hmm. emergency and you have to go. But, you know, what's a, uh, what, what's a, what's a Mickey dating story here that, um, that you can share with us that didn't, well, obviously didn't pan out. Oh God. Uh... <laughs> like the Rolodex is deep. It's so deep. It's a fathom deep. 
We lived in LA, which is a shitty place to date. No offense to Los Angeles. It's just a horrible place to date. Well, big offense to Los Angeles. Big offense to Los Angeles. F-U-L-A. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Fuck off, LA. You're not my top 20 of cities. Piss off. I don't care. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I mean, my worst dating experiences were probably in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in Chicago before that. Um, but you know, Chicago is nice. Everyone's generally very nice. So yeah, nothing too weird, sinister happens. It's a weird big city, right? Cause they are nice. Yeah. They really are, but it's a big city. Yeah. It's interesting. I like Chicago. Yeah. So LA um, bad dating. Um, and also where do you, I, it's such a weird scene to date in LA. Cause like, where do you go? You got to kind of go where you want to be seen if you're a somebody or want to be a somebody. Okay. Okay. I've, I've got one. Yes. I've thought about this. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, I was doing a pop-up, uh, like bartender experience at an acquaintance of mine. It was like a make your cocktails and I made cocktails and cookies. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, uh, instead of working at the bar on a Friday night, I went there and I got to keep all the tips kind of thing, but it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, <laughs> lots of people that I don't know, but the people who were gracious enough to have me as the, as the bartender for the night invited all their friends. And, um, I met a guy there and he, he wanted to ask me out. He was a French guy, very persistent that he wanted to take me out. And I was okay. like, okay, okay very handsome man like one of the most attractive people i've ever met so i'm like i don't know what i'm doing sure let's let's go out on a let's go out went out on a few dates uh and then one evening got ripped drunk like we were out on the town ripped but i remember he was driving <laughs> i got home that night woke up the next morning and I'm like, how did I get home last night? He must have driven me home. So I get a call. For, I don't remember if I called him or he called me, but he got arrested that night no. for drunk driving. Oh, shit. Yeah. And you didn't get a drunk in public? And what? A dr- you, did not get, you didn't get a drunk in public? Drunk in public. Drunk in public is a ticket. If, if an officer finds you intoxicated, it's against the law. Oh, no, no, no. He got pulled over. He must have been dropped me off at home and then got pulled over. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, So he spent the night in jail. Um, And then I never heard from him again. (laughs) So I don't know if he got like, you know, he was French. I don't know if he got deported or like, I don't know what happened to him. Let's go with deported. Does that happen? I mean, sure. It's got to happen, right? You know, Canada yeah. won't let Canada won't let anyone in if, after they've had a DUI. So, yeah. you know, you got you got that going. I had a, I, I, um, you know, I, I get the habit of retelling bad dating stories. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm pulling up another one here. So I remember, um, I was in uh, was in Orange County, California, and mm-hmm. I had quit my job. And I was start, trying to start my own PR firm and I had some money, but not a lot. And I wanted to take this one girl out and I had, uh, and I'd liked her and I thought she was really cute. And this hostess, she knew me and I had dated her a couple of years prior. It just didn't work out that well. And I go to this restaurant and she's there. 
as the hostess. I'm like, oh, hi, you know, I don't care. <sighs> and she's obviously still a little upset. She goes, oh, I see in the notes here, you want a private table, I'm assuming romantic, like right in front of the scout. Like just, <sighs> and it was just like, yeah. oh, and by the way, he doesn't like this, this or this. And this girl's like, does she oh. know you? And I'm just like, well, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> 24 months ago, we went on a date. It didn't work out. One date. One. <laughs> Angry pants over here. Like, are you in a relationship? I am. Are you happy? I am. What do you care about me? Then? Stop. Let it go. Let yeah. it go. Let it go. I, I love that, you know, that parts of this movie are filmed in Austin, Texas. Because, you know, as, as I see the background, right, I see certain parts. And I'm like, oh, there's Austin. Oh, I know that part. It's weird how they cut the film up, which obviously does not follow the uh, the layout of the city of Austin. But mm. it's nice, you know, Tarantino's interesting. He pays homage to uh, to Texas quite a bit. I mean, there's Wero's. They just show, you know, on, on South Congress, this great uh-huh. tequila bar. Well, great's a strong. It's just been there a long time. And, I, and this is why I want to bring this up with you, right? Because I think this is interesting. We somehow call things great because they've been around for 10, 20, 30 years. Yes. Versus they've just lasted. Mm-hmm. It's because you've been here for, th- that's what? My grandfather was around past 80 years. Still kind of an asshole. So does that mean he was great? <laughs> or does that mean he just lived long? Right? I mean, Wero's has okay food. It's not terrible. They have okay margaritas. They're not the best in the world. They're not the worst in the world, right? But they're there. And I, I, you know, I wonder for you, it's like, where when you're looking at bars or, or cocktails or restaurants you know and, and all the places you've lived what defines great to you what makes it a great well like what makes it a great cocktail or a great margarita you know i will i, I love a good steakhouse mm-hmm. and i'm also uh, used to live right by a really good steakhouse Moose i know yeah that place i will say is great <laughs> that place is great ambiance is great the food's great. The red suited jackets on the waiters are great. Um, it's just that place is great. Um, but I will even take a subpar steakhouse that has hot martinis just because of, I don't know, I, I like to get like dressed up and go to a place like that. Mm-hmm. That um, the, even if people are, if the service is great at a place, even if mm-hmm. everything else is shitty, that place will become great to me, I think. That makes sense. Kind of. Do you, uh, what, what to you, when you look at a bartender, can you tell whether they're going to make a good cocktail or not? By how their bar's set up by? Yes. 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 What, what, what should, I what can should, also tell if they're a hand washer or not. <laughs> what, should, what should people be looking out for? Um, someone who's a little too, I don't know if the word colloquial is a word, I'm looking for here, but if they're engaging with customers, but like touching their face, running their hands through their hair, you don't want that person to make you a drink. They're probably not going to wash their hands and they're probably going to go back to their conversation with the other person. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. I always, I always use the trick and it's, it's amazing how many bartenders don't know it, but I'll be drinking a, a good IPA, right? And you'll mm-hmm. see the ring as it comes down. Like, oh, this is the perfect mixture of water and soap. Like you've done this correctly. I'm like, what do you mean? And I said, well, and then you find the good bartender that'll go, oh, I thank you. Because they can look and they go, oh, this person drinks about this much every time. They've got this much left. I should offer them a beer. 
another one. Mm -hmm. Like you can mm -hmm. just know you can pace and you can, you can see the pace without having to pace, right? You can see yes. it and you're never having people raise their hand because you just, you know, you can look and know. And it's, it, it's always- It's a lot of multitasking. Yeah. yeah. But to be a good bartender to see, and it's not, you know, you don't want someone in your face saying, do you need another round? It's, would you like another one? I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. keeping an eye on all of you. Exactly. You're, you're in my house right now. Like, let me, yeah. let me make sure everybody's got plenty to drink. Yeah, and, and the bartender rule is interesting. And this movie kind of highlights the bartender bar. This first part of the movie really highlights a couple of bars and bartenders in a, in a fun and unique way. You know, uh, looking back at Chicago, L.A., uh, you know, in L.A., we talked about Musso and Frank's. What are some of your other favorite places where you like to go get a cocktail? Um, the name just escaped me. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I had moved to Highland Park and Pasadena was just like a hop, skip and a jump away. Pasadena! Uh, the Arroyo Steakhouse uh -huh. was then my next go-to since, you know, Moose and Frank's was a little too far away from me. Um, great, super nice bartender there. Uh, yeah, like they, I would, we would go in like once a week maybe. Mm -hmm. And I love that they remembered my gin. They remembered, you know, my garnish on my martinis. And it was almost like, would you like, would you like the usual? And it's not like nice. I had to go in there seven nights a week. It's just, yes. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Like, oh, what a relief to have someone serve me after I've spent all week serving other people. And it just felt so taken care of. Um, I also really like home state. We spent a lot of time there. Mm -hmm. um, home state tacos. Okay. They have great frozen margaritas. I'm just having tacos. Also, super nice people and eating outside. Um, where did I go in Sh Chicago? Was a lot of late night bars. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, like, every bar is a late night bar in Chicago. People don't get confused. They shut down their bar at like 4 a.m. I remember yes. I was working in Chicago. And I'm at this trade show and we go drinking the, the night. We got one more night left. And we had gone out and it was like midnight. And I had like a 7 a.m. Uh, media interview. I was like, that'll be fine. It's midnight. Captain. And I'll just wait for last call and I can just run home. It's all good. Mm -hmm. Well, last call came at 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. 4 a.m. And I was like, oh, yeah. it's got to be what? One... 115 the girl's like no it's four i'm like i have to be on camera in three hours <laughs> you start slapping your face <laughs> i mean not only do i just reek of booze yes. right i mean this is you know i am i've got you know bags under my eyes now i haven't slept in almost 24 hours and then i'm going to go to sleep really quick which was a huge mistake i should have just stayed awake i should have you know grabbed a couple of red bulls and taken a really long cold shower and, and just gone powered through done the yeah. interview and then like i'll be right back and done and taking a nap somewhere i looked like hell in that interview obviously but chicago to your point of late nights i mean folks it is as real as can be it is a late night place you know mm -hmm. other cities you kind of have to sneak into the after hours bars to drink that late but also chicago's weird do you know you cannot sell a pint of beer in chicago um unless it's in a bar you can't buy a 16 ounce beer um, at a uh, at a store. Fun fact. Interesting. Yep. It's when, it's when I still lost. live there, they didn't have their like elite. Uh, I'm sorry, 
when I still lived there, happy hours were illegal. So you had a special of the day. Yeah, you couldn't, um, you can't incent people to drink. Mm-hmm. Incentivizing alcohol consumption, right? Which is hilarious because you already are. <laughs> I'm there. I'm incentivizing. You got him in the door. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. What's going on? Let, let me ask you this. How yeah. do you feel like your drinking habits have changed in 10 or 20 years? Do you drink the same things or do you see yourself maybe not so much drinking like bottles of beer, but seeking out a specific beer that you're going to enjoy? It's a good question. Um, or a cocktail, whichever. You know, I drink probably, I might drink a little less wine than I used to. I drink less beer than I used to. Uh, probably mm-hmm. over the last year and a half or so, I've, I've cut back quite a bit. It's getting old, man. Beer just makes you fat. I wish it didn't. Like, I wish there was some <laughs> magical little sauce where, you know, they're like, Michelob Ultra. I was like, please, I have to have 30 of those. I might as well have 10 IPAs at that point. I mean, Jesus, man, it's the same thing. Right. Right. But I do find that, uh, you know, when I was underage, I worked at this place. I was like 16 or 17. And uh, I got to try Red Hook ESB. And I really liked it. And I really mm. liked that flavor. And so I really find myself more towards flavor forward beers and then really exotic, fun cocktails that bring out the, the best in tequila. I'm not a brand, mm-hmm. big brown booze drinker, uh, but I'm a big tequila drinker. I love tequila. I really do. So it is, uh, it's, it's my, and, and, I, and I, like, I, one of my favorite things to do is, and I can't remember when I found this out. It was, it was in Mexico, I found it out, and I, was, uh, and I would go up to uh, places like, uh, I'd be in Chicago. I was in Chicago. And I see it, I'm at this bar and we're playing this game. I work in this drone company. And if you can fly the drone up and fly it through the basketball hoop and bring it back down and land it, I'll buy you a cocktail. We're having fun messing around. It was just fun, right? A couple people got hit in the head, but it was all, everyone, it was, it was a small <laughs> bar and everyone kind of knew everybody. So it was pretty, yeah. it was pretty sick. And I saw this group come in and it was probably 15 of them. They ordered Patron shots and all with lime. And I said, who mm-hmm. ordered that? And the guy goes, oh, this person did. And I said, okay, um, can you do me a favor? I go, do you have any orange slices back there? The guy's like, yeah. I said, replace the, the person who orders orange slice or lime slice with orange slice. And you'll, and you'll, get, more, you'll get more tequila sales. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just trust me. <laughs> and I remember from Mexico sitting down with this gentleman who owns a couple of restaurants down there. He owns Baja Cantina and he owns a couple other places. And Jorge sits me down and we're having this really great really old Don Julio. we got a bucket of oranges next to us. <laughs> He's like, you sip and bite the orange. Because it's going to bring out the natural sugars in the tequila, whereas the lime will bring out the earth tones of the tequila. And it changed the way I enjoyed tequila. Now, I like tequila straight by itself. I don't dislike it with lime, but it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not just how I want to do shots, right? And I'm not a big shots guy anyway. But if I'm going to drink a good tequila, then I either want it plain or I want it with an orange. And every time I've done that, every single time I've brought that up and it's, I've never had one person try it and go, that's disgusting. I don't want that. Instead, they're like, oh, now I'm really tasting tequila. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. So those aspects have changed. Uh, I search out more unique beers now. Uh, I I like ones that don't have a, that don't have a ton of sugar. I like dry, really hoppy beers. I don't like the mm-hmm. sweet flavor. You know, these double IPAs that 
tastes like someone soaked, you know, put a Snickers bar in there is disgusting to me. <laughs> like I want real hops and barley. I want all of those things, right? And so those things have changed. Like you're not going to find me going to the store and buying a 24 pack of Coors Light for the weekend. You know, 4th of July coming up, that's not going to be my jam. But right. sitting down and, uh, you know, having um, 10 or 12, you know, different IPAs like 4th Tap, they're a brewery here in, uh, in Austin. They worked with the Black Pumas, Grammy award-winning Black Pumas, and they made an IPA and a double IPA. And they're two of the best IPAs I've ever had. I mean, I love John and Aaron. I think they're amazing. So I got to, you know, so I, I search out. Shots of chartreuse. I just need shots of chartreuse. I know, right? <laughs> With Quentin, right? Just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and they're at the Texas Chili Parlor, which is great. I mean, it's a great little spot. It's a lot. They show it a lot roomier than it is. Let me tell you, you walk in that mug. It is nuts and butts. It is. Uh, listen, you want to know where, really? COVID, you want to know where COVID started? Texas Chili Parlor. <laughs> I'm kidding. Texas Chili Parlor. But it's so close. I mean, if someone sneezes, everyone's wet from that sneeze. It's just oh, no. tight in there. It's tight in there. It really is. I mean, I hope the place is still around. I don't know if it's open or closed, but I, I, I love the Texas Chili Parlor. It's actually got really good food. It's just, it's old. It's old and quaint and it's really tight because they're trying to maximize that per square foot. But, you know, so back to it uh, real quick, long, long answer, uh, short closing. Uh, I go after now independent brewers. I find their beers. I try them all the time. I'm driving out to breweries all the time, trying stuff. And I'm just searching for my three or four go-to beers, right? Mm -hmm. And then people open up my fridge like, what's this? And they've never had it before. Well, yeah, because you, you go to Safeway or HEB and you just walk down there and you just grab a Miller Lite or you're like, ooh, uh, X, Y, and Z beer company made a new IPA, I'm gonna try it. And I support local, I love local. And so mm -hmm. I go after that. But you know, with the legalization of uh, marijuana and other things in many states, I, you know, and I've never had a hangover. I don't get sick from drinking too much. I just, booze doesn't affect me that way. You are hashtag blessed. I am, I'm just donating my body to science when I die. 100%. <laughs> They're like, here's my liver and kidneys. You can see how they work. <laughs> and you know what? If anyone wants my gifts the way I have them now, you can have them. It's super simple. It's FTM or FMT, fecal matter transplant. I put my poop <laughs> in your butt. And then you get my gut biome when you come with all my other problems, but you don't get sick when you come. So yeah. let it bloom. Let it bloom. <laughs> let that let that flourishing love bloom. But um, yeah, so you know, you, just, you find the unique and interesting things. And and as long as I stay in, in my mind, right, it's unique and interesting. And then it does things like this. It allows conversations to start. It allows me to share something new with someone because it's not mainstream. And mm -hmm. it really allows for me to uh to go and chat with breweries and, and learn new stuff. And so I'll do that with wine. I'll do that with alcohol and I'll do that with beer all day long just to find something uh, unique. Whereas before it was just, I want a drink to get drunk when I was younger. Really long answer. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I mean, you're as a mixologist, right? And as you've grown from the very complicated vodka crayon and then the, uh, you know, to drink uh margarita a with a grandma and soda girl how dare you no stoli yeah. raz oh yeah it's gross it's it's interesting I, though right because that was the hot shit back in the day like we can say it's gross now and maybe yeah. people will look back in 20 years and go you know tito's is disgusting maybe i don't know but it could happen 20 years ago no one said Zima was gross. No one said Bartles and James was gross, <laughs> right? 
no one mm-hmm. no one mm-hmm. was was looking at uh at steel reserve and going well i'm not having that you know it's just <laughs> it's interesting how they've changed so how have yours changed from stoli raz and soda um i i did drink a lot of bottled light beers like miller light and the palate it, was mostly, it was mostly miller light yeah uh in mass quantities they <laughs> would occasionally have dollar bottles in chicago on Ooh. some nights so is a nice cheap way to go out and just get get lit mm-hmm. um and then obviously yes my stoli raz all the flavored vodkas when i worked at a bar in, in chicago i would come up with drinks that were just so fruity and fit in a pint glass and i called them a cheap date <laughs> Nice. All you need is one pint glass. I'd serve them with all my friends. They had a great time, if they remember it. <laughs> uh, and then when I moved to LA and started in the craft cocktail scene, I kind of moved into the brown spirit, old-fashioned world mm-hmm. and went through those and really got to appreciate whiskey and how complex it is and how great the cocktails are when they're done right. <laughs> And then I really, really, really wanted to like gin. So I put my foot down and like, I'm going to, I'm going to get you gin. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I know you're not Pinesol. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> I'm going to figure you out. And now I will drink a martini any day. A dry gin martini? A, a, uh, no, I prefer a two to one gin martini. Oh, Okay. Now, for those of those not keeping score at home, what is a what is a two to one gin martini? Uh, based on a three ounce pour of alcohol that's going into your drink before any dilution, it's two ounces of gin, one ounces of dry vermouth. Okay, uh, shaken, stirred. I prefer stirred. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a little longer, but if it's stirred long enough, it's much colder. It has a silkier mouthfeel. Um, and it can go down in about three sips. If it's shaken, I won't turn it away. Uh, it'll just be a little, it'll have a little, it's not unwanted, but it's a little lively, a little too lively for something well, that yeah, you started a smooth party. and sipped. You started a party, motherfucker. You started shaking <laughs> shit around. You're like, what's going on in here? And people are like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, that booze is coming out. Like, I'm just, let's go. It's getting that stomach. In old time movies, though, you know they're shaking their martinis and having a great time. They like, are, man. The, the I would 20s. drink it. <laughs> what a there was. I used to uh, have this drink all the time, and the, the name's escaping me. I, I'm sure as a bartender, you hate this. I apologize. It was just vodka, really cold, strained with lime juice or, or fresh limes. That's it. Mm. And you would you would strain it, and then you get the little thin little ice flakes on top. Mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. little and those little things and. Man, I used to pound those down. Two shots of vodka, <laughs> half a lime squeezed in, and then it it was like it was like a martini though. It was in a martini glass. Yeah. It was real fancy. It seemed real fancy at the time. Not really. was it in about those like big V eight yep. ounce? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Big dogs, and it's you know it's <laughs> it's it's so funny because I look back and I'm just like, man, what the fuck was I thinking? That's just a lot of booze. A lot of yeah. booze, and he was serving it down. Or, you know, and also I think about, I remember I used to bartend and I worked in this place called First Avenue West in Kalispell, Montana. And I was there in the afternoon 
and we're hanging out and this couple comes in older couple comes in and this guy's like oh what's a local beer i'm like dude i highly recommend great northern brewing company's wild huckleberry lager it's really good it's very light it's got a nice huckleberries only really available up here in the northwest good stuff it's like great she goes all over long island iced tea and i was like bold strategy cotton but i'm here for you yep this is 1999. She has one in about 10 seconds. Just, and she's like, could I have another? And I was like, and I'm not thinking. Okay, she just had five, and I'm doing old school. Five shots of booze and a splash of Coke. That's she a big drink. It's a big drink. She had yeah. five shots of booze. She's about 60. She had five shots of booze in about a minute and a half, two minutes. And then asked for another. And I was more than happy to pour her. Because I was like, this lady likes to party. Her husband's mm-hmm. still nursing his 4% alcohol huckleberry lager. <laughs> hey, sir, put your pants on a little tighter. Come on, man, let's go. <laughs> she gets another one. And I look over and I'm like, hey, hey, you guys, calm down, ma'am. Not on the head with a dress in the booth. No, 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 no. Put your legs down. Your butt goes in the seat. <laughs> your legs don't go in the air. Like you got to bring, bring it down. Bring it down. No, do not get on the table. We're not laying on the table. We're putting our skirt below our knees again. Come on, let's let's get, get to, we're not taking clothes off. We're putting clothes on. And he looks at me and he goes, what the fuck did you give my wife? And I'm like, I, she ordered, a, you're right here. She ordered a Long Island iced tea. Yeah. You're here with, you paid for the drink. He's like, well, what is it? Five shots of booze and a splash of Coke. He's like, she hasn't had a drink in 20 years. She's a bipolar alcoholic. She's not supposed to have cocktails. What the fuck are you doing in a bar? Hey, yeah, go to Jamba Juice, asshole. All right? One, go to Jamba Juice. Two, I swear to God, no, sir. No, you're not going to bust my balls on this one. No. He got so mad. He wanted to call the cops and like, please do. You can get a drunk in public. You're going to get thrown in fucking jail. I don't care. You ordered a drink like an adult. So be yes. with Own it. And he would not. Man, he was pissed. But it's also, it's like, I do like the fact that we've moved away from those, I'm going to get you hammered, multi, multi-alcohol cocktails into this artisan movement of making really good cocktails of alcohol in them but it's gone from party to art now the question is is how long can it stay that way considering that some of these drinks take fucking 20 minutes to make one they should not be taking 20 minutes to drink (laughs) (laughs) i understand ticket times it sometimes happens but as as a standalone no drink should take 20 minutes um and just to, to go back to what you just said, bartending is like 80% wrangling cats and 20% making drinks. Because yeah. you, you, in addition to making sure everyone's drink levels are at the, you know, full or checking in with everyone, you have to be counting in your brain as well how many they've had. You have to make sure everyone's tempers stay you know, medium, depending on how busy the bar is, make sure no one's getting agitated. Mm-hmm. It's, it's babysitting every night. It's, it's 
it is. It's adult babysitting. It is their adult playground. I, I wonder, you know, we've had a year basically without people going to bars, pretty much. Yeah. Especially in California. Um, and kind of here in Austin, you know, other states not maybe as strict. Uh, but I wonder now that we're seeing people going out and we're kind of seeing this pent up demand exploding, mm-hmm. you know, everyone was talking about during the, and, and I don't, I'm not making this punny or joking. They were really talking about the value of teachers and, you know, this, the kids finally getting out of their house and going to school. And, oh my gosh, like they couldn't believe the overwhelming response from these students. They just loved to like, fuck, I'm in school. This is amazing. You guys want to be back here. And some kids were like, fuck, I want to be back home. I want to do my homework in 20 minutes and be done with this shit. But you found yeah. this, you know, and I wonder with the opening of bars, are we going to get a newfound appreciation and love for bartenders as we maneuver through this opening up from COVID? You know, we, we've given love and appreciation and deservedly so for teachers and frontline workers and medics and firemen and women and policemen and women and you know uh, our bartenders going to get their due and i don't mean that in a light way i mean that in a very social way of we lost a very key social element in this country and people can agree or disagree whether we should drink or not but we lost a social element when it comes back your job is going to be more difficult are you going to get the love you deserve i don't know right um yeah I, I, I don't think they will. It's, it's such a difficult <laughs> job and it's all based on tips. So there's, there is a smoke mirrors behind most interactions mm-hmm. when tips are involved, especially if, if it's your livelihood, you're, you know, which I, is- I guess that means as a customer, you can get away with more because they're hoping at the end of it all, you'll pay them. Sure. Yeah, that's true. I never got that. I remember working at the bitter end once. Uh, two things happened. I love your insight on this. I'm sure I broke a couple of laws. Been over 20 years, I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> one time this guy came up and he was just like, I ordered like a vodka crayon, something stupid. He's like, there's not enough vodka in this. And he drank half of it. Mm-hmm. So I took it from him and said, man, I'm so sorry. And then I grabbed the bottle of vodka, I spun it upside down, I started pouring. Like, that's enough. I'm like, no, 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 no. You said it wasn't enough before. Mm-hmm. And I filled that motherfucker up so I started to pour over the top. I said, there you go. He goes, well, I don't want that now. I said, okay. I turned the music off and turned the lights on the bar. And mm-hmm. I jumped up on the bar and I said, this guy doesn't like my cocktails. So I put more alcohol in it and now he won't drink it. And they started booing and throwing ice at him until he drank it. <laughs> One, I'm all for peer pressure. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, don't go it alone. (laughs) Engage some friends. Yeah. (laughs) Get some friends. Come on. And then I remember one time someone left a quarter as a tip. And we had a copper bar and I took it. You know, you can bounce quarters, bounce it, hit off his back and he spun around. He goes, what the fuck? I said, you keep it. Keep a change. Keep a change. You need it more than me. And he walked back and he goes, I don't know what your problem is. And popular bar turned the music off. Everyone looked around and I go, sorry, you guys, uh, he tipped a quarter. So music's off for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> now the jukebox like, doesn't run on a quarter. That's right, bitch. It does not run on a quarter. <laughs> and I turned it off and people would be like, Oh, did people leave the bar? No, they tormented that motherfucker for 15 minutes. Just berated <laughs> him. 
He walked up. He goes, if I give you $20, will you let me leave the bar? I'm like, yeah, talk to them, not me. Is 20 enough to put the juke back on? Talk to them, not me. Mm-hmm. Talk to my people, my little community, that I remember <laughs> all of their drinks, that I hook them up, mm-hmm. that I have fun with them, that when the rep comes in for their favorite liquor, I know when that rep's coming in and I will call them. I was the only guy Get down here. I was the only bar manager who did rep visits during happy hour. Cause I made man. them, I made them pour cocktails for people. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what this alcohol is. I don't drink it Pour for people. Let's see if they like it. Yeah. If they like it, you're in. If they don't fly kite, we'll just order a bottle. No, 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 no. Do your job. <laughs> Have some fun. Yeah. Push some buttons, you know. <laughs> Mickey, what is it? What was it? You grew up in Chicago, right? I grew up in the Midwest. In the Midwest. I went to school in, I grew up in Wisconsin. I went to school in Michigan and I moved to Chicago after school. So what is, what's like, what is uh, Mickey as a, as a little kid growing up in Wisconsin? What was life like? Trying to figure out who made you who you are, because you have this natural, not only just appreciation for people, but this natural draw to you where I've been around you with hundreds of strangers and they just walk up and say hi to you. So you have a natural thing about you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tap into it a little bit here. Okay. Um, Well, I'll say this. My, my father, he's not from Finland, but he's Finnish. So Finnish, the Finnish runs deep in me, which it's very quiet uh-huh. sometimes like I, I have a lot of social anxiety but if I have something to say I'll say it okay so but I but I try and give it some thought beforehand <laughs> I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin um just on raised like on eight... just raised on cheese curds and fresh hops and barley yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> it was uh in the like in, I grew up in the forest essentially um the nearest road was a half mile away like I lived on a dirt road um I went to public school (laughs) which was about maybe a 40 minute bus drive wow away so you're getting up early it was very rural yeah uh occasionally in the winter our driveway would freeze and it was very hilly so we wouldn't go to school a couple times a year because we couldn't get out of the road nice not my phone (laughs) caller you're live on the air. Yeah. <laughs> talking during movies. Tell us what you think so far. Well, Jim, this is very. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on rabbits? Oh, then we're talking about cocktails. Shut up. Back to Mickey, anyways. <laughs> um, so I, I grew up in a very rural, small town. Uh, we had about hundred kids a class in my uh, in my schools, mm-hmm. like elementary, middle, high school. And then when I was 15, we moved to Michigan. So I changed schools, kind of started over. And uh, I ended up going to this high school that had a performance program. So I kind of started getting out of my shell because I, I really enjoyed doing that. And I made costumes. So I was a big sewer. <laughs> it feels so boring. Um, <laughs> no, because, I mean, how many kids know how to sew today, though? Yeah, nobody. Yeah, nobody. Um, so you had like a home economics class, right? Where you learned yes. how to sew or did your mom teach you or dad teach you? 
Both. Um, so okay. the there were like the FFA was a big thing in my mm-hmm. my school growing up, Future Farmers of America. So we had home ec classes. We have we had classes um, where they teach you CAD, the computer aided design. So like I have power tools. I love power tools. I know how to sew. <laughs> I don't know. They kind of teach you how to be a well-rounded person because they're sending you out into the world. I, I love the public school education I got back then. I, I don't know if they do that nowadays, but I, I just feel like it shaped me to be a really thoughtful, well-rounded person to strive to like learn new, to do new things. Mm-hmm. But also, um, like, appreciate people that do know how to do things and ask questions. So now, when when you were in public school and you were doing stuff, were you did you get on the stage? Did you perform on stage in plays? Not until we moved to Michigan, because okay. the school I went to before that did not have any programs like that. It was like you do sports or <laughs> or you join chess club. <laughs> you do sports or you cheer for sports, okay? That's right. Sport, sport. Put on that skirt. <laughs> Come on. You know what the boys like? It's game day. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah, you guys are awesome. 13-year-olds uh, popping zits. This is amazing. Oh God. So you so you move, you move to Michigan. You have yeah. more opportunities, uh, a wider breadth of education, if you will. And then um you get you get to go on the stage. What's that like? As from a from a shy girl to all of a sudden you're in front of people, you're not yourself, you're playing someone, but what was that like for you? I found it extremely liberating to wow. uh there is like you you know you're performing. There's no like taking yourself out of that. So you know you're playing a character, but to be able and stage is also very different from film work, but being on the stage. It's obviously, I felt like I was going to throw up before I enter on stage, but then mm-hmm. once you get out there, the lights kind of blind you a little bit, you know, create that fourth wall for you and having the audience there to play off what you're doing is, it's just a great feeling. Um, I really enjoyed the comedy that I did, but also the silences that you can get during a good drama because you know that they're listening. Do you think that's and, missed these days? The pause, the 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 leverage to use silence. Yes. You know, I I agree. I think that there's there's depth in quiet, right? In process, yeah. in letting people actually experience. You know, Tarantino does this well in all of his films. There's pauses. Mm-hmm. There's moments where it's just toes and rainfall. You know, there's 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 moments of just of 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 quiet natural sound that lets you reflect on what you've just seen and prepare mm-hmm. you for what's to come. Yeah. And I would say that he does that well. And I would say that the fast and the furious have destroyed that. Has <laughs> <laughs> something else not exploded yet? Fuck, come on, where's my guy at? Let's go. We're losing our audience, come on. <laughs> Has a tip popped out? Jesus Christ, you guys, this is Fast and the Furious 12, all right? We've got asses and dits and explosions, let's go. You know, and Ben's like, I gotta shave my head again. One minute. <laughs> it's, but there's no moment to, to understand where the story is or is not gonna go versus- Well, gonna... I mean, I'm sure you've seen the first Mission Impossible. Yep. 
and the latest Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Those you wouldn't even know that that's the same. It's the same story, I guess. Yeah. Like the first one was kind of, I remember it, it like, oh, I had such a crush on Tom Cruise back in what, 96 <laughs> after seeing that movie. And the, it was just such a good thriller. And uh, that also had, you know, it had pauses and took its time. And now, now it is just explosions and skip to the exposition and let's recap what just happened and let's recap what we're going to do. Yeah, and Tom, hang off something. No, I'm just hang off. Yep. Even the plane yeah. taken off, just hang off. It's fine. Good. And that seems to, you know, it's it's interesting, right? Because they have uh, my uh, my boss, John, tells this very unique story, right? He goes, the first Spider-Man made like $100 million. It cost him $10 million bucks to make. There was so much anticipation. Or I think it was $300 million, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so much anticipation. And they're like, oh, shit, Spider-Man came out. Spider-Man 2 comes out. And that'll cost them 30 million bucks and it makes 80 million or 100 million. And then the third one comes out, right? And you've got cost them 100 million bucks and it made 120 million. So you've got this narrowing factor. And some of that is just the, the buildup from storytelling to just action and bad guys and who's the bad guy and what's going on. But some of it's also the fact that, uh, you know, they didn't have a way to engage with that Spider Man community. Right, because mm-hmm. they went to the movie, but I don't know who went to the movie, so I don't know who to. I don't know who to let know. Spider-Man Two's coming out. I don't, you know, outside of whatever Hollywood does with these, you know, focus groups, which are bullshit. I don't know mm-hmm. how to engage with that person, and because I don't, I lose them after they've left the theater. Right, I can follow them on Instagram, but once again, I don't know who they are. Right, I can look at my list of followers, but I still don't know at all, and playing that game, right? I, I think that also kills film, right? I think that also yeah. kills momentum to where you have to move from a story to just action after action after action sequence. You have to change the velocity of it only because if you try to rely on storytelling without having a community to tell that story to, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's where I think theater does a great job, especially local theater. It takes locals to invest in that local theater. So you have fans, you have a community, you have people that are invested in you and invested yeah. in the growth of entertainment uh, and understanding it at a depth of how you see it and how the director sees it and how other and how lighting sees it. And it's, it's a much more unique experience. Yeah. Now you go from theater in Michigan and you go to Chicago, you go to college in Chicago. Yeah. What's your no, major? college in Michigan. College in right. Michigan. What's your, what's your major yeah. in Michigan? Uh, BA theater, theater, theater. performance. Nice. Uh-huh. Theater mm-hmm. performance. Uh, and then you go to Chicago. Now, are you doing acting work in Chicago and bartending? What are you doing when you move to Chicago? Or what are I, your goals? Well, I had studied abroad for a semester while still in college. Um, at a at Bada, the British American Drama Academy, and I was really drawn to to classic theater. Like I just loved the language of it. Another mm-hmm. reason why I love Deadwood so much because it's fucking Shakespeare in the Wild West, isn't it? But though just the oh, oh. So good. <laughs> the, the the main guy um, in Deadwood, 
I forget his name. Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Woo! He says uh-huh. cunt in such a beautiful way. <laughs> so beautiful. It really is. I'm like, God oh, bless you, sir. Yeah. You can get away with it. <laughs> and he can say it six different ways and it's still beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Cunt and fuck. The way he uses those two words. Sir, mm-hmm. you are a rhetorical wizard. He's magical. He is magical. Uh, so I was really drawn to classical theater. Mm-hmm. Just you know, wearing the corsets and all that stuff. Just fun. Um, so I was like, I'm going to Chicago Shakespeare. They've got a, you know, I'm going to try out for that. I'm going to do it. Just nothing happened. Uh, I did a play. That was cool. Got good reviews. But I was just bartending, bartending and working at a boutique. Uh, and I'm like, I got to do something. So I decided I'm going to not not go back to school, but kind of go back to school. I'm going to learn a new skill. So I, you know, very shy being on stage. So I'm going to do improv. <laughs> wow. So I went through uh, Improv Olympic, which is now IO. I did that, The Annoyance and Second City. And I wrote a few sketch shows with my writing partner at the time uh, that were on one of the Second City stages. You know, they have ones that you can pitch a show and they'll put it up or they'll give you the space for it. You have to fill it up with your play audience. Nice. And that that's what I did for however many years I was in Chicago. I, I did the improv and I got an agent and did some voiceover work uh, because I also liked doing dialect and accents. So I got some good work doing that. Um, and then I had a, I like broke up with my boyfriend and I'm like, oh, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Doing improv and I'm bartending. My rent was so little looking back on it. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Let's move to LA. So I moved to Los Angeles. I bought a car. I decided in October, I bought a car in November and I moved in January. So wow. it was and you took the big to trip to LA and you're like, well, boy, the movie industry sure are a bunch of liars. This is not, I mean, people yes. see Hollywood downtown and they're like, ooh, the lights and the famous people and the stars. Uh-huh. And you're like, human shit, campers, crazy homeless oh, people, yeah. shit ton of drugs, a lot of yep. poverty. You know, they, you know, Hollywood, a lot of, a lot of uh, shenanigans to get people to show up. But you moved mm-hmm. there, you've got an agent. What's your first job in Hollywood? Do you remember? Uh, I, I did some films, just like a, you know, you look through casting calls and you send a reel or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a few jobs in independent films and it, the, the guys were so nice. They're like, you're the only girl that made us laugh on your reel. And I was like, oh, thanks. I guess that's why I got the job. Whoa. I hate auditioning. I'm terrible at auditioning. I, because I can't separate that mm-hmm. from uh, like how I mentioned a performance is very, you know, you can step out on stage and I can make that fourth wall and put myself into this other person that I'm playing. I can't do that with auditioning. I am so nervous. I feel like they want me to fail. So I walk in there and I, I just, I can't not be me which is full of self-loathing and very unsure about herself. So I'm really bad at auditioning. So I decided not to do it anymore. 
Wow. So you just left. I mean, I, I was taking classes, you know, but thinking you did that would second lead to some city. other opportunity. I know. I mean, that means nothing a big out here. Deal. Yeah. Well, that's a big deal. I and mean, there have been a, a, a plethora of famous people that have come out from Second City. I, yes, they're on all the TV shows that I watch. When I had like actual TV, they were on commercials, you know, every other commercial. I love seeing familiar faces because I know so many of them from my time mm -hmm. in Chicago. Do you stay in touch um, with any of them? No, I no. I mean, social media, I'll like your photos and stuff because we're still social media friends, but yeah. yeah, I don't really talk to anyone. Just by myself. Just by myself. What, you know, it's interesting because there is a, uh, a unique thing. Uh, and I brought this up to some comics and some musicians and I'll, I'll bring it up to you as well. I find this interesting, right? The, the more famous you get, if you're a singer or, or a musician of some kind or an actor, the farther you step back from your fans, the farther you're separated from them, right? You go from, mm -hmm. let's say plays or a local commercial and people know you and they're like, ah, you know, and you're walking down the street and saying hi, maybe you're on the voice and you're from Austin and you know, you're in a restaurant, someone recognizes you and they say hi, and there's that subtle engagement. Mm -hmm. But as you get more famous, right? You get more and more removed from normal life and normal people. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of comics, stand-up comics. I mean, Joe Rogan or Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock or Kevin Hart, as big as they are, you can still go see them at the comedy store with another hundred people. And they're five yeah. feet away from you and they'll talk to you. Yeah. Right. And they have an engagement. And, and I wonder if, you know, in, in the nervousness of the audition, is there a part of you because of how easily you connect with people introspectively looking at this just in real time, is there a part of you that goes the TV commercial, whatever it is, this separation is actually removing a piece of me. Like were you, were, was, was it really more nervous or is it, you didn't get to be you because the most engaging part of who you are was being removed, not willfully, but directly through a screen. Mm. Psychology 101 with Jason. <laughs> and welcome to Calm. This is our new app. We love it. Hmm, or whatever the therapy one is, I guess calm helps you go to sleep. I should probably use that one. I don't know. But no, it's just something I think about when I, because when I see you, you know, I, like I remember doing the, the golf tournament. I remember coming out other times and hanging out with you. And, you know, one of the, um, from Regan and others talking to them, you know, they're like, oh, you know, she can be the next Jennifer Aniston if she wants to. But I remember people telling me that and you know it was but it's also the want right i think the want. that's funny to say that though to say that means that it's my fault that it didn't happen no that i didn't try no it doesn't i don't see i don't see that at all i don't see that okay. as you're not trying i see that as you 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 absolutely doing what you want to do i don't see it as not trying i go back to the psychological thing of of who you are as a person and seeing that medium changing you and so you're mm -hmm. in, inherently kind of rejecting it. I mean, like, no, I'm not going to be changed by your machine. I'm not, I want to do yeah. what I want to do. I'm going to be changed by it. So you can put me in a category of where you think I should go. And thank you. That's a, that's a nice category to be in. 
but that that's not the, that's not the runway that's not the road i want to go down i think you're you might be right i i do have a knee jerk to that like a no no yeah not gonna no no <laughs> but then, so then to say no yeah and then fast forward to your entrepreneurial endeavors of what you're doing now right yeah. i mean you're an entrepreneur who is taking on something very difficult but in the difficulty of how you're taking it on you're you're going directly after it you're yeah. not hiding right you're going directly right. after it you're doing all the work and you're letting yourself and what you enjoy and what you know to really shine which couldn't be done through traditional before. yeah before does that come with being your own boss? Because I mean, you could do that if you're acting and being your own boss. No, I don't think you're your own boss when you act. I don't believe that. I think I think everyone's your boss when you act. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, your agent tells you what movie made you money, which made that agent money, which made that studio money, which means that's the next movie you're going to make. Yeah. Right. Your fans tell you what they like and what they don't like, and if you try something different and they don't like it, boy, you're never going to hear the the end of it. It might ruin your career. You yeah. never know. I mean, one movie could ruin Very your fickle. career. Very fickle. Whereas, guess what? You have a bad cocktail. You're like, you know what? I just didn't like that. Mickey, can I try something else, please? And you're like, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it's The fickleness is removed and exchanged for passion, drive, experience, and engagement. And that's not saying that actors don't have passion, drive, or experience. It's just saying that they're they can be uh, they can be greatly limited based on the work their agent shows them, based on mm -hmm. and there are a few that have, that obviously blow this out of the water. Right? I mean, Kevin Costner famously has a friend who is a writer who he tried to help out for twenty years, real dickhead. Yeah, you know, everyone would call and be like, "Hey, this guy's just impossible to fucking work with. Like, stop. We're not hiring this person anymore." And he finally told his buddy, "He goes, hey man, no one likes no one likes you. It's not even your work. It's you." And he's like, well, everyone's a fucking dick. And he's like, hey, those are my friends. Like, you know, <laughs> leaves him. Guy calls him, says, oh, I got a place to stay. Lets him stay at his house for like a couple of weeks. Kicks him out of his house again for complaining. But he left his script behind. And a year later, he calls up. He goes, hey, you know, have you read my script? And Kevin's like, no, I don't even know why we're fucking friends. Like, no. Calls him up six months later. Hey, man, I'm like doing dishes in a Chinese restaurant and I'm killing raccoons to eat. Like, I'm broke. Have you read my script? <laughs> He's like, no, and I'm not going to. Sends him a sleeping bag, you know, sends him a couple of gift cards for food. And the guy's like, mm -hmm. I don't want this shit. Read my script. That was Dances with Wolves. That script was Dances with Wolves. Uh-oh, did I leave you? Oh, oh no, yeah. I'm here. So, 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 you know, in that, right, where we get this, I'm going to move into my living room here. My internet's getting wonky. Um, but as we, you know, as we look at that, right, you think, oh, wow, that was Dances with Wolves? <laughs> Man, are you kidding me? That yeah. was the movie? But that guy had to do his own thing. And sure, he stayed in Hollywood, but probably didn't have to. But he had to do his own thing, had to write his own way. And I look at you, and I'm always so proud of you because, one, you were, and, you know, you're an excellent baker. You make great <laughs> food. You. you really do. No, you really do. My my daughter loved those cookies. When we we exchange stuff through the mail with shirts and fake goods and shit. It was it was fun, right? But my kid loved it, and you know they they were delectable. They were good, and and 
to watch you enjoy to do something, right? To watch you really enjoy enjoy life and, and create this dry cocktail and, and kind of create this new movement of cocktails that you mm-hmm. can take with you, that you can enjoy a great cocktail anywhere, or you can host a great cocktail party and you don't have to buy 9,000 ingredients. They can just yeah. order your stuff, right? Be like, hey, here you go and try it with this and let's have some fun and and educate themselves on, on what alcohol does and the best way to imbibe flavors out of it and everything else. You know, you, you've gone from, and I don't, I don't mean to knock on actors, but you've gone from dance monkey to, and do what I tell you and read this line the right way to let me educate you and share with you all the knowledge and all the insights that I've been able to, um, to be a part of for so many years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you, you become a teacher. You become an entrepreneur and a teacher. I think that's uh, maybe one of my, hang on, I lost this guy here. That's all good. There we go. Um, so I've basically been doing this, my business partner and I by ourselves, like we're self-funded. Mm-hmm. We've, we take the photos ourselves. You know, We're very proud of that because <laughs> I think everything looks great. But my, my favorite part is being so hands-on and showing how it's done and letting people know what they have been missing. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't need to be missing that anymore. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> that, that listen, we got a lot people don't know where this podcast here. goes after that. After that. <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, when you're, do you ever miss acting? Is there a part that you miss as far as the performance or being in front of people? Or do you um, derive or are starting to derive enough from what you're doing now that you don't miss those things? Or maybe you never missed them. I don't, I, I don't think I miss it. Um, I, I, did, I did enjoy it. And I look back with a lot of nostalgia on it. But I don't think there's any part that I'm... Uh, yeah, like a lot of it, LA was just kind of skeezy and I'm just, I'm kind of happy to be out of it, I guess. <laughs> I had a couple inappropriate, my, well, whatever. Yeah, when but- Me Too came out, my uncle asked me, I hadn't seen my family in a long time and he sat down and he was like, oh, sorry. Are we going to talk about this right now? I think I'd like a drink first. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody does. So let's, let's not, we don't need to talk about it. Uncle. <laughs> yeah. Dear uncle. Yeah. No, thank yeah. you. No, thank you. Well, it's, it's um, interesting because it seemed like me too focused on, on Hollywood versus what, it, what I think humbly it should have focused on, which is just life in general. Like how do you treat mm-hmm. people? And it was epitomized, obviously, in, in many years of, you know, of, of, how, um, of how women were treated in the professional world. You know, I mean, Quentin Tarantino has talked about Harvey Weinstein and working with him, how he was like this fucked up father figure to him and how he wished someone would have told Harvey, hey, stop chasing skirts. And it's like, no, it's more than chasing skirts. Like, this yeah. is not, you know, he's like, oh, someone should have talked to him. Maybe, but that still seems like you're downplaying the actions. Does mm-hmm. someone need to talk to him or does he need his ass kicked? Right. 
it's <laughs> when you're doing things that are clearly wrong, it's not that someone needs to say, Hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. It, it is an ass kicking. It's, it's the law breaking down your door saying, sorry, you can't do that. It's yeah. not, it's not a text message being like, maybe you shouldn't. No, it's not that. It can't be right. And, you know, I, I think in my humble opinion, society and a lot of things would have gone moved further a lot faster if, if that would have been or starts to be the appropriate action. I know I don't, I don't, I'm not meaning to call for violence on people, but I am, I, I do mean to call for accountability on people, right? You've got yes. to, yeah. you've got to hold people accountable, you know, and no one did. Women didn't, men didn't, you know, uh, and to see these brave people come out on the Today Show and be like, yeah, you know, I'm just so glad he got arrested. You could have done something. Yeah. But you value dollar bills over people. Right. And, you know, and, and that it's interesting how this fruition has come about, you know, this dollar bills over people, how it's slowly grown. You know, mm -hmm. you look at that, you can look at schools and, and how we fund them or don't and the fudgeable parts of it, which are, you know, like I remember a school during COVID when kids could not go to school, They're like you need to come pick up a lunch. I'm like, we have plenty of food. We're okay. Like, no, no. If you don't come pick up a lunch, then next year we won't have enough money for our full school lunch program. What? And I was like, hold on. So you're just throwing away or giving away food as quickly as you can so that you make sure that you get food next year. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, but there's a pandemic. Like, does no one, no actuary can just stop the math and be like, uh, over here. Right. Over here we We're good. It's like, no, you can't. And I was like, Hi. so you <laughs> yeah, I know why. You know, like, we're not going to get the same funding. We're not going to get the same this, the same that. We need your help. I'm like, no, you don't. I'm, you don't need my help. One, you don't. You need to fix the problem. And the problem's waste. You have to talk to your accountants. <laughs> yeah, you got to talk, talk to a lot of people. But, you know, when, when you think about that, you think about the holding accountability, you know, and then you think about everything else we've gone through with this last year and everything else we're going to go through through the next year as people find different things out as, we introspectively look at our, our hopefully, um, our governors and our mayors and our city council people and all the politicians, everyone we elect or, or put into a position of power. I hope we hold them accountable a little bit more. And, and, I, and, I, and I hope we, as a society, we grow from this, right? That, that we can mm. take these moments and take a step back and go, wait, we jumped the gun here, you know? Did we allow this to happen too much? Um, and fix it because you know I think the one thing is that we can't throw our hands up and say it's unfixable, but I think we also need to understand that we have to find and embrace the discomfort in holding people accountable, good, bad, and indifferent. Yeah, you know, and I don't, may, I don't expect anyone to be infallible. No, I but to move forward with the correct intent, I think is what should be very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. On a, on a, on a lighter note, I'm wondering, you know, um, with all your moving and everything that you've done, you know, uh, why San Diego? A, and then B, where are you going to move next? <laughs> um, why San Diego? My partner's family is down here. Okay. So we're close to his family. Um, my family lives in Upper Michigan in the Ute. Where the mosquitoes are the size of hawks. Yes. 
National bird. National bird, the <laughs> mosquito. Um, so we're down here for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I, I'm very happy to be moved out of Los Angeles. Um, it, it got to be a lot for me toward the end there. I mean, the bar I worked at on Skid Row and then the bar that I opened up just before I left, uh, was in Union Station and that was beautiful. Um, but still just, I mean, I remember my first month working at the bar when I had first moved to LA, <laughs> I, I thought someone was throwing up in a trash can downtown, but they were actually defecating in a to-go tray. And I'm like, what, what am I, what's, what planet am I on right now? Jeez <laughs> Louise. Yeah, that's, cause I remember there was a couple of bars downtown right by Skid Row. I find downtown LA quite fascinating because you have exceptional opulence yeah, and then you have destitute yes. mentally, physically, financially. Yeah. You know, you look at, uh, what is it? A thousand gophers. Is that the one? hundred gophers? Uh, golden gopher. <laughs> the golden gopher. Golden gopher. And that's like a hundred grand or a thousand or a th- whatever the one that has all the Seven dead animals. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know these. I think <laughs> I find it like beautiful bars. Right. I mean, yes. really, but multi-million step, dollar bars. Yeah. But you step outside, you've got a dude with a heroin needle in his arm and he's swinging a sword with his dick. And you're just like, whoa, the f- yeah. I'll just right back inside and have another cocktail until I think I can see this. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And they do nothing about it. Yeah. I, I've had a knife pulled on me by three guys after work one night, you know, I called the cops. They said, you have to come down in person to make a, a thing about it. And then they went, they're like, why don't you just give them your bag? I'm like, well, first of all, I'm by myself and there's three dudes. If I give them my bag, I have nothing. What's going to keep them from taking me? Like every woman's yeah. fear is being raped and killed. Like, let's just put that out there. I'm like, why would I give them my bag? He's like, well, that's all they wanted. You don't know that. Yeah. I didn't realize you One, were on fucking Warwick. Big. All right, psychic <laughs> friend. So glad you can read their fucking minds. Why don't you hang out with me a little bit? Next time I get knifed, I'll be look. I'll call you real quick. Hey, you want to do yeah. a quick psychic reading? See if these guys are going to fucking rape me and kill me before I give them my bag. Yeah. So, whatever. It's, how does? <laughs> so your adventurous life. How do your parents take it? Because I'm sweating now. I hear these stories from you. You're like, oh, I got a knife, and I, I'm like, I have a daughter. I'm sweating how do your parents take it how do they how does dad take it i don't know if my mother has told my dad but (laughs) 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 um i mean my mom she's called me a bitch since i was a teenager so she knows like i can handle myself to a point to a point Mm -hmm. and they they like to think i'm smart Smart. There's only so much that being smart can keep you out of danger when danger just is around everywhere. Sure. I mean, she's glad I'm okay. I think she's glad I don't live in that anymore. Glad you're, you're, you know, in a prettier, nicer, safer area. And, and doing something that, uh, yeah, I became an entrepreneur. I'm, I've thrown everything into this and 
I'm, <laughs> I sit in front of a computer screen all day working on stuff. That's probably a little safer for her. Do you, when you're working on this project, how much R&D is having cocktails? How much of it's science of making sure these things go together? And then how much of it is computer work getting it in front of the right people, the right faces, you know, all that jazz? Um, so we've, we established our company almost two years ago. Okay. So the concept has to be there. So you have to know what you want it to taste like. So for the margarita, I'm like, what do I want? What, what are my favorite parts of a perfect margarita? Mm -hmm. And breaking down what those flavors are, how to get those in a dry <laughs> powder form, and then creating the recipe with that, which I mean, thank God I'm a baker because I can make a recipe, so. But now there's a difference between baking and making a recipe. I watch Top Chef. I watch those people that are like, make a recipe. And these people are like, what? And they're like, you got to write a recipe down and, and then someone else has to follow it. I mean, these are some of the best chefs in the world and they can't mm -hmm. do it. I mean, they might be chefs. Maybe they're not pastry chefs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. There is a difference. People should probably yeah. note that pastry chefs, there is an art of measurement and timing and preparation and understanding that doesn't necessarily go with fettuccine? Well, being a, a chef, it's very much how your produce is at the time. If it's salted to taste, how much oil you're using, if it's too wet, like it's, it's a lot of as you go to the final product. Mm -hmm. Whereas with baking, it has to be measured out because it's going to be cooked and then there's no going back. <laughs> so, you, you know, you measure in grams or... Uh, you know, you have to have your equal parts to make sure nothing collapses. And um, I mean, there's, there's a hell of a lot of science that goes into to baking. I mean, even, and once you, once you know the rules, then you can break the rules. Sure. I mean, even like chocolate chip cookies, like I tell people, I said, one, buy good chocolate. Yeah. And they're like, why? I said, because good chocolate has natural oils. And they're like, okay. I go, and then that's the only reason you add salt. If you add salt, if you're going to leave the dough overnight and you're going to use good chocolate because it pulls those oils out, allows it, it creates a, a binding flavor that really is a good chocolate chip cookie. I go, if you're not gonna do that, you're not gonna spend the money on good, on, on good chocolate and you're not gonna let it rest for at least 12 hours, then don't put salt and don't buy good chocolate. Just eat that dough with your hands, you fucking savage. Eat, eat the dough. <laughs> shove it in your face. Get that raw egg in there. Get it. And that raw flour, that's no joke either. And that raw flour, right? You've got, you've got those two things. What's the, oh, this is the question I wanted to ask you as a baker. Canned tomato soup cake, where they use a can of tomato soup to make a cake. Evidently quite famous on the East Coast. I'm gonna pull up this recipe. Please do. Canned tomato soup. Like a Campbell's tomato soup? like. Yeah, so here it is. Like an eight it ounce is can? Easy tomato soup spice cake. Magic tomato soup cupcakes. Yeah, this is a real thing. I'm not even making this up. So here's, here's our ingredients, which I don't know why we need the tomato soup. But then again, I know people that put mayonnaise in their chocolate cake to keep it moist. So I'm not yeah. really one to judge. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I am, I'll judge. I'll judge on that one all day long. I'll just won't go to their house and eat ever again. 
So you have, <laughs> I won't listen. If you're putting mayonnaise in your chocolate cake, go fuck yourself. All right. It's like, <laughs> it's like naming a kid Jeff and his name and it, you spell it with a G piss off. All right. You're not an okay person. If your dad's name is Jeff with a G. I apologize. And he's a great friend. <laughs> she got flour, obviously sugar and brown sugar. You got cinnamon, allspice, nutmeg, kosher salt, unsalted butter, one large can of tomato soup, hot water, marshmallow fluff, cream cheese. This sounds it's, like it's trying to be a red velvet, but yeah, red velvet is. is chocolate. This is red velvet, but it's with tomato soup. Welcome to America. You can have I a grilled am, cheese with I, this. I am interested though, because I mean, I would probably use my own tomatoes, maybe not a canned thing because it's loaded with salt and stuff, but tomatoes are a fruit. They are. You but with could make them sweet. Intelligence versus wisdom, right? Intelligence. <laughs> tomatoes are a fruit. Wisdom, not putting tomatoes in the fruit salad. Yeah. Telling you, you're not going to do a berry fruit salad and throw some tomatoes on top and be like, what do you think? People are going to be like, why are these here? Not saying they, not saying you couldn't, the flavors wouldn't rhyme. I'm just saying it, it, it doesn't look good. Now, but here's the other one. homegrown tomatoes are so good. They are. Homegrown. Like I would only do it with homegrown. So you got, how about a nice chocolate cake with dark brown sugar and eggs and a can of, and one can of tomato soup. <laughs> Let's do cream of mushroom soup. Let's see what happens. Let's just see what happens. Let's, let's really, let's, let's party. But it's, yeah. I mean, I look at some of this stuff. I'm like, you know, we already make chocolate cake and we do a pretty good job of it. I don't need to add a can of tomato soup in there. I don't know what it brings to the party. It doesn't bring color. It's not really bringing texture. No. I don't know what it brings. It's the centerpiece of conversation for your party. Yeah, but if I'm doing a centerpiece of conversation, I've brought this on the podcast before, I'll bring it up again then if you want a centerpiece of conversation, get semenology. Get the cookbook where every ingredient has semen in it. There's a conversation starter when you pull out your spunky chicken wings and people are like, what made this so good? And you're like, oh, it's got cum in it. And then they're like, oh, you're like, yeah. Would you like another one? And then you watch people leave your house. Like you have COVID. If you want to get rid of people, have these, I, I ordered for a bartender friend of mine, I got her semenology the bartender's hand guide to adding semen to cocktails. And now when people come in like, I don't know what I want, she gives them that recipe book. <laughs> and you know what? More often than not, they're like, I'll have a beer. <laughs> Whatever doesn't have semen in it. I'm just trying to think of the foreword of this book. If it's like, how do you source materials for these recipes? Do you oh, do need you wanna, a friend? Do you wanna know? <laughs> Because I'll read you, Please. I'll read you the forward. <laughs> Let me open it up here. This is so. Well, this is semenology. This is the bartender's guide. We've got to go to. So the cookbook is Natural Harvest, right? So that's the guy. He's a French guy, very handsome. Okay. Uh, and here is the forward. Got arrested the, for DUI. <laughs> probably. He got kicked out of America for some reason for drinking. I don't know. <laughs> Around the same time. Uh, sand. Cool. <laughs> so here's the forward to the book in case you're wondering semen is not only nutritious but it also has a wonderful texture and amazing cooking properties like a fine wine and cheese the taste of semen is complex and dynamic 
someone got a thesaurus for Christmas. <laughs> Semen is inexpensive to produce and it's yeah. commonly available in many, if not most, homes and restaurants. Despite all of these positive qualities, semen remains neglected as a food. This book hopes to change that. Once you overcome any initial hesitation, like your face right now, you will uh -huh. be surprised to learn how wonderful semen is in the kitchen. Semen is an exciting ingredient that can give every dish you make an interesting twist. If, you are if you're a passionate cook and you're not afraid to experiment with new ingredients, you will love this cookbook. By the way, there's a creme brulee on the uh, on the cover. Giddy up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Drip a little more on. Uh, this is the perfect way to get to get to know my cooking before, and then there, and then it goes on. There you go. And then it's all, you know. Then they've got the other book, some hack who ripped this guy off, who's coming for dinner. <laughs> You're just being a dick at that point. And then semenology, the Siemens, uh, this is, you know, let me read more here. So this is your mixology book, driven by a commitment and passion for freshly harvested ingredients. Semenology pushes the limits of classic bartending. Semen is often freshly available behind most bars and counters and adds a personal touch to any cocktail. The connoisseur will appreciate learning how to mix selected spirits to enhance the delicate flavors of semen. This book provides useful tips that cover every detail of semenology, from mixing and presentation to harvesting and storage advice. Now, maybe you partner up with this cat and you get a dried semen ingredient and you've got your gin and tonic cocktail. Uh, I'm just spitballing. I can, listen, I've ordered yeah. this book so many times, this author emails me. <laughs> Right, I'm on a first name base with motherfucker. Okay, listen. Oh my God. April Fool's Day, not fooling. Real dry semen in here. That'd be hilarious. Mm -hmm. I will just disclaimer, I will not be putting any dried semen in my dry Well, cocktails. you know, here I thought you were an, a trailblazing entrepreneur. All right. Sorry, I'm going to let someone steal my idea of making a dry cocktail and, and do that. And so they can be special. Paul, I tried, buddy. Okay, listen, I, I keep trying for you, my man, but it seems to be easier to push brands like Fourth Tap and, you know, other, <laughs> I guess you would say, uh, more appealing ways of, 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 of having food. Like harvesting food for, for Mickey is, is, is a garden, not a bunch of dudes <laughs> with boners going, me next, me next, okay? Available behind the bar. Just imagine. Or at, or at the counter. Yeah. Just some dude. Just getting it's after it. a whole it. lot of drop and trow. However. Cocktail shaker. You want to manage people's drinks. Hey, guy, you want another drink? Make your own, champ. Right? Need a base. <laughs> you wait another hour and a half, two hours, bud. All right? It's fantastic. <sighs> I like that he goes over storage, too. Like, you've got so much behind the bar that you've got to store it. Like, it's just there. That's that's the gross part to me. Like, like a I, vat. Yeah, they're just like, what's that? That's uh, well, that's Bob's. You know, Bob, big agaba lover. Now Bruce over here, hate to admit it, really likes asparagus and kale. So this is going to be more, you know, in line with your gins. We're going to really bring out some earth tones. But Bob's agaba. You know what I think lover. the biggest problem is? It's what's not that? vegan. It's not vegan. No, it's not. 
not only is it not vegan, I mean, you know, technically speaking, you're, you're really killing things. Those little spermies are alive. <laughs> They all deserve a birthday party. They all deserve a party. You better, (laughs) that mother better come with some cake, with semen obviously, and some balloons. When you pop, dry semen sprays everywhere. Just like how is this frothing uh, capability? I mean, if you've got an emulsifier, let's assume awesome. Okay. Right. So you could put, I mean, a cappuccino froth on top if you need a little Mm -hmm. extra protein in your cappuccino, if you're lacking in that area perfectly good. The whiskey sour foam. Well, you know, I mean, instead, I, of, egg white. I, instead of egg white, if eggs bother you, Guy Fieri, here you go. I've got a solution. <laughs> I'm here. For, I'm here to solve problems. All right. As a, as a, as a, as an entrepreneur myself, I'm here to solve problems or create. <laughs> it's really up to you. No. So, so then, you know, obviously the semen thing, a joke folks, as, as my, my listeners know, but what is, when you look at your roadmap of your success and you've got your margarita, right? And, and mm-hmm. you, you have, uh, what is, what's next on the road? You've got two products now. I lean towards yep. margarita because I don't drink brown booze. So what's next? What do you have? Although I must say you have to try a tequila old fashioned. Okay, I'll try a tequila the old caballero. fashioned. It's so good. Put okay. a little grapefruit twist on there. Okay, see? Folks, this is why this is why you bring shit up. This is why don't ever be afraid to say you don't enjoy something or it's just not your thing, because intelligent people will not mock you. They will have already had done a workaround. They will have already thought of a solution for you to enjoy the beauty of an old fashioned with the beverage of your choice, which for me, tequila. Yeah. Ay ay ay. What <laughs> um, what's next though? What do you what do you work on next, or or what do you think you've got? Can you give us a little insight into, into what's, what's coming down the road? So I have a couple other recipes that I'm working on, but I mm-hmm. don't want to tell you what they are right now, but That's I fine. plan on coming out with two more next. Okay. Um, other than that, I mean, right now we're a small business. We'd like to become a large business. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go. Here we go. Um, so yeah, I'd really just like to grow this business and keep manufacturing more. I mean, what this, sure we can get drinks everywhere. I would love to be on an airline. I mean, be on an airline or, in or a be in a hotel. I was thinking, I was just thinking hotel. Yeah. I mean, the one- Perfect cool for the minibar. Perfect for the minibar. Because one, you don't have to stock the minibar full of shit that's going to break or not break. I shouldn't say break. It's going to go bad. You, have to, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're not playing that game of when is this going to go bad? you know, or how fresh is the OJ or what, you know, you don't, you don't have to play that game. You put the booze in there, you got your stuff in there and you've got an experience. You're making a really good drink in your room. Yeah. I mean, most of the time there's little bottles of Coca-Cola in there. And I don't think to myself, Oh, I want, I want a whiskey Coke while I get ready for my evening out or whatever. Yeah. But having an old fashioned sounds really good. Or having a margarita instead of like a tequila soda. Oh yeah, it, I mean it elevates it a little bit more. Stepping out of the, sh- you're in a nice hotel. Step out of a hot shower. I got the towel wrapped around you, wiping the steam off. Ice cold cocktail. <laughs> you're getting ready to go out and have dinner, and it's just it elevates it past a beer or wine. Obviously, mm-hmm. it just does. But also to your point, you know, just the bottle of tequila on the rocks. 
not saying that people don't enjoy that, but just the the experience, right? If you're staying in a nice yeah. hotel, get a nice cocktail. Yeah. Enjoy the moment and embrace it. In your it. room. <laughs> in your room, right? I mean, I think it's yeah. the other thing that, that I really like about what you've done here. You've elevated and allowed me to enjoy something without taking me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Right, I mean, I'm here. I'm at my house or I'm, you know, and I, and I want something nice or I've got people coming over and I've got these drink mixes. Like you guys, let's, like I, once a month, well, COVID obviously stopped this, but for a while I was doing, I'd grab reporters and friends, come over to my house on a Saturday when my, my wife would be gone traveling somewhere. And sometimes it'd be during the week. I'm like, we're doing donuts and boozy coffee just mm. to chat. So be out on my patio, you know, I've got a couple different bottles of whiskey. I've got Kahlua, uh, I've got Bailey's. And I've got five different kinds of coffee, all French press. Boop, boop, boop. Got the French press up there, piping hot. Got your different booze mixes there. And I got really crazy, fun, amazing donuts. And it was just the experience of just trying it all. You know, I used to yeah. cut the donuts into thirds or how many people are there, right? You go to Voodoo Donuts, get the crazy ones and cut them up. Which one do you like? Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. Everyone's got to try something where they don't think they're going to like it. Good. You didn't like it already. Now you know you don't like it again. Perfect. I don't care. You tried it right? Your taste buds change. Mm -hmm. We just have fun doing these things. And I think about what you've created and creating these fun, you know, like we used to do wine nights when I lived in Orange County, having cocktail nights, but people don't have to bring in a full bar. You got to use your stuff and then try it, mix it up and try it and pass it around and, and see what you like and why you like it. But more importantly, talk about it. And it's so easy that everyone can make it at the same time because I mean, there's, there's stick packs in here, but if, if you were to have like five people over, everyone gets their margarita yeah, and everyone gets to pick their spirit and you can all have a drink at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not one person in a corner covered in lime juice and, and syrups and just shaking away. Like I'm destroying my wet bar. Yeah. Or not even destroy the wet. It's like, who knows how to do that? And do you want to yes. try to impress your friends have people over for a cocktail party, right? You want to make the ultimate cocktail party. You want to have fun. Like, fuck, man, I only know how to make, like, I don't know how to make stuff. So you're going to go spend $1,000, hyperbole, $200, not hyperbole, getting cocktails and mixers. Probably more like 400. People are going to touch, well, you know, you worked in a bar. How many bottles sat where you barely ever touched them? I have <laughs> tons. tens and tens, tons in, in my house right now where, you know, you use a yeah. quarter ounce, a half ounce. And yeah. it's a mixer of some kind where it's like, oh yeah. shit. And now, and you've solved that problem. One, my storage is way easier. My costs instantly come down and my experience instantly goes up. Yeah. Because yeah. You've, you've managed expectations for me across the board and I can't fuck it up. Like I can still fuck up making a drink because I pour a little too much of this. Oh shit, well, made a little too much of that. Oops, add a little more of this. Shake, shake, up, uh, you know. And all of a sudden it's now I'm cooking. I'm, 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 I'm making shit up as I go along and it's never going to be the same. So if someone likes it, I can't replicate it. Right. If someone doesn't like it, I, it's also my fault. Like it's my fault <laughs> twice. It really is. Because I added an ingredient. Well, I had too much vermouth there. I did this wrong. Or, oh, you know what? I forgot this. You're making a mojito. You know, it's like, oh, well, I want a blueberry mojito. All right, well, do I crush the blueberries first or the mint first? Well, you got to do the blueberries first. If you bruise the mint too much, then it, it gives it this dull, you know, 
Yep. Come on, big brain yep. on Brad. Just and, release the oils. <laughs> just release the oils. You, you know, don't, hey, you're not hammering a nail. Okay. Nope. Stop your nonsense. Let's fix the problem. And you can really easily mess up a mo. Oh, I hope I just I hope you're making a mojito mix one of these days. I love mojitos. I used to make fun. Orbits had a mojito gum, and I was like, for the alcoholic who doesn't want to be called an alcoholic, <laughs> mojito flavored gum by Orbits. <laughs> to mask getting, that whiskey breath. <laughs> to mask your boozy uh, mojito breath, try our mojito gum. Huh? <laughs> Tell that officer it's just Orbits and keep driving, you rascal. <laughs> Because there was that phase where everything was mojito flavored like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. I don't know what happened to the mojito. I mean, it went it's somewhere. It's still around. I think it just... It's just a pain in the ass to make. It's actually not. You got to make, make simple syrup. So I got to go make simple syrup somewhere. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you make a batch, it stores pretty well. Yeah. Not as good as semen, weeks. but it'll, it does okay. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna let it go um nope. <laughs> sim simple syrup you've got your rum you've got uh i like to use a real sugarcane stick in there so oh. i don't use as much simple syrup right mm -hmm. uh and then you've got your lime mint juice and lime juice mm -hmm. and then i'll add blueberries or something else in there because I, I like to add blueberries or, or a watermelon compote in there uh to uh to really bring out the color. Mint, a little cap of color. And also to really bring out the flavor of the mint. I think that watermelon, I think watermelon and blueberry highlights flavors of mint really well. Have you had strawberry mint? Yes, I like it. A little too sweet for me. Um, because, but that's my fault because I use the straw, I wait to use the strawberries till they're almost gone bad if I'm gonna use them in a cocktail. No, actual mint that smells like strawberries. Strawberry oh, no. mint. Oh, no, 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 I never have. Is this I like is this like it. that? This is like that magical um, uh, cotton candy grapes. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a Wonka. It's a Wonka. <laughs> weird scientist like you know it'd be good. I'm like no, I don't. Please do tell me. Cotton candy grapes. I'm like no one's ever thought of that. No kid <laughs> bit into a grape and goes, "This would be better if it tastes like cotton candy." <laughs> no. <laughs> and it weirds me out because cotton candy has a unique texture. It has a yes. something to it, right? And the way it dissolves in your mouth and the the weird layer it puts on your tongue the fact that every time you do it wilford brimley's mustache gets diabetes again even though he's dead all of those things are amazing to the cotton candy and i can't i mean i, I can't wrap my head around the cotton candy grape thing the first time i saw it being made in that spinner thing uh -huh. I, I thought i i don't understand this at all that's that they just you throw your hand in there and voila it comes out a big cloud yeah now, do you do, um, have you done um, cloud eggs? Sorry, what? Cloud eggs. Cloud eggs? Yeah, so separate your, your yolk and your white, mm -hmm. all right? And then um, just cover the yolk with a cup and a frying pan and then pour the white around it. Mm -hmm. Emulsify the white until it, you get your soft peaks. Remove the cup and then cook and then cook it. And what you get is you get the, and then put a, oh, you gotta, you gotta put a, a top on. Sorry, forget mm. this. Put a top like on. Like steam it? To steam it. So you get the brown, a little bit of crust underneath, a little crunch underneath. And then obviously then you cook the rest based on, you know, um, how you like your egg, your yolk. And when you cut your 
when you push your, uh, your spoon or fork through that white, it cuts through it like a cloud. It's amazing. Ooh. And the texture is great. And then I sprinkle afterwards. And I learned this from Gordon Ramsay. It's 100% in, in the way I cook. I don't season eggs while they're cooking or prior to being cooked. I only season them after they're cooked. And it, it is, so you get the, the granulation, you get that taste of real rock salt, you get that taste of big chunks of pepper if that's the thing you like. And you mm -hmm. just lightly sprinkle that on top and it's dynamite. Absolutely. I, I will give it a try. I love it. It's, my kid loves it now. And I was, I was actually on a, on a trip with um, some friends of mine and I was like, hey guys, let's, I'll make a cloud egg this morning. And of course there's no mixer, there's no emulsifier. <laughs> so I did that by hand with a fork. Mm -hmm. And then everyone loved it and they're like, let's do it again. I'm like, no bitches. Like, no, 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 no. This took me 25 minutes to make an egg. I'm not doing this. For, My wrist is done. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing this 13 other times, okay? Get a 14 year old boy in here. He will get these things done in a minute. Don't you worry about a thing. I'm old man. <laughs> My shoulder hurts from whisking eggs. All right. I don't know how that happened. I don't know why it happened, but it happened. Oh. We're, we're at the, we're at the area real quick where, you know, they're riding on the hood of the car. I re My friend and I did this, not exactly this. We actually, I, we had a sunroof in my Maxima and he would hold the steering wheel and I would climb out and sit on the top of the car and I'd have one foot inside and I would steer with my one foot and then he'd climb out and sit next to me and we'd do 80 miles an hour down the highway sitting on top of the car driving it with a foot waving at people at night driving without headlights on we thought this was oh. cool. Like yep. it gives me angst to talk about it as a parent now, because I can't imagine my daughter being that big of a moron. This is where like, I tell my kid, I'm like, the bar is low. You just have to be better than me. <laughs> like if you're better than me, you've won. And that starts <laughs> with not doing dumb shit like what I did, right? You can do dumb right. shit, just don't be as dumb as me, please. But she's on there, right? She's on the hood of that car. It's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely, you know, it's, 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 it, this is a really intense scene because of the vulnerability, obviously, and her grip strength and everything yes. else. Do you look back, you know, let's say whether it's road trips or hanging out with friends or driving around in college, do you look back and think, holy shit, how did I make it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you wouldn't believe how many, you know, only interesting people answer that question that way. Do you know how many people I've talked to that are just like, and I, by the way, that, what, what this scene's happening, this is what I don't understand. Stop. Like the car's getting, the, stop. Grab onto the hood right there. There you go. Grab on lady and then they hit the brakes. Stop. I don't understand why they don't stop. Well, don't that's just, he's behind you. You gotta keep going, get away. You gotta get I'll away. Run him. Outrun him, outgun him, outrun him. And Kurt Russell, man, he's such a stud in this film. Yeah. He is a really good bad guy. How come he doesn't get more bad guy parts? I think he's embracing it more as he gets older, isn't he? Yeah, a little bit. But damn, he's, he's a really good bad guy. He's, he's got a- maniacal. He is, he's really <laughs> he's maniacal. He's got great hair for it. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he's handsome but he's not overly handsome, but he's a good looking older man. Like you could yeah. see a, a, a 25, 30 year old woman being interested in him because he's handsome. He's well-built. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's good. He's intel. He's fun to talk to. 
but you can, you, there's an evil glint in his eye. <laughs> really like, yeah. like, I don't yeah. see, and I know Kevin Costner tried, right? To be a bad guy. I forget the name of the movie where he was a serial killer. But he wasn't Mist a good bad guy. Mist, yeah. Uh, but he wasn't a good bad guy. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't just like, holy shit, this guy's, cr-, you know, I was like, oh, that's Kevin Costner trying to be bad. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> Such a good dad. Such a dad. I mean, this guy was in fucking. He was in what? Uh, you know, in um, the 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 postman. He was he was he was in Waterworld. He's not a bad guy. He's in Yellowstone, <laughs> where he's kind of. I'll tell you, he's gotten older. He plays a really good guy in Yellowstone, where he could be potentially bad, I guess, but he's really protecting his family. Great, great series on Paramount. Highly recommended, folks. If you haven't watched Yellowstone, you want to know what it's like growing up in Montana around rich cowboys. <laughs> who started tough it's pretty i mean minus the killing of people it's a pretty accurate breakdown of ranching in montana Oof. that's for sure that is for sure yeah i'm a big fan this this car chase scene it's so intense it's so yeah. quentin tarantino is, is is there anyone else in film that can get away being more violent with women than quentin tarantino Okay, so I've, I've thought about this because he has so much gore and violence in almost, every, I think, every one of his movies, yeah? Everyone. But it's, <laughs> I don't know another word than to say he makes it just magnificent. Like, it's not a splatter of blood. It's an artery spray of blood. It's not uh, someone gets gashed. It's they get their arm chopped off. Yeah, I mean, the, the prior car accident, right? Her leg comes right off. Ripped. Flops down the road. Blood mm-hmm. shit, just spitting. Yeah. That there's like a, a <laughs> there's a music to it where it's, it's I don't want to call it beautiful because I understand it is still violence, but it, he makes it beautiful. Yeah. Rather than watching something. Ugh, I'm trying to think now of something to compare it to that I'm like, that made me queasy to watch. Mm-hmm. His movies don't make me queasy. I mean, other than watching the car racing, because it's but look at look at like I mean so Saw. Intense, but... Saw is a graphic movie, right? I can't yes. watch Saw. I don't watch that shit. I can't. But I can watch Tarantino. I can yes. watch this. Yeah. And what's um, you know? And once again, he gets if you know I, Judd Apatow came out with a film, and you and women were getting beat and bloodied and bludgeoned and damn near killed the way that Tarantino's characters are. And he has a lot of beautiful women in his films that can take care of themselves, but still get their asses kicked. What, I mean, Judd Apatow can't be this violent to women and get away with it. Cancel mm-hmm. culture would shut him the fuck down in a second. Yeah. But Tarantino, there's something about him. There's some piece of magic there's there's something there's some alliterative piece that just i don't know why he's got a a pass or how he got the pass and maybe it's it's his art in the way that he shows and depicts violence Mm -hmm. um or maybe it's the fact that at the end of the day like these women are still they're powerful characters they're not weak and i'm not saying that judd apatow makes weak characters but they're they have a strength to them you know, if you look at this movie, all these women in this movie, they really do have a presence and a strength to them. They're, they're all like superhuman in their own way. Yeah. They're, 
and they <sighs> seem they seem comfortable in their in their beautiful imperfections. Yes. They're not hiding. I forget the gal's name at the beginning who was in Wero's and does the the lap dance for um for for Kurt. I forget her name. Uh, the actress's name. The actress's name. But you know, in um in today's movies, right? If she were to do that, you know, there'd be some director who would just be saying, "Hey." You know, um, you need a six pack or you need this or, you know, tight. There would be body comments. Right. Whereas you watch it now and you're like, holy shit. Like she's just, she's, I want my daughter. I don't necessarily want her to have those short, shorts on, but I want her to own her body. I want her to be comfortable yeah. in who she is. Right. And she owns it. She mm -hmm. is a beautiful woman who is beautiful in her body, who is beautiful in her comfort who I wouldn't want to see her any other way. She's perfect. And I like mm -hmm. how Tarantino empowers women to do that, to be that, yes. to own themselves, you know? And it's almost like the way he owns his imperfections as well. I think it's a beautiful thing. I don't know a lot of directors that do that or writers or anyone else for that matter. Yeah, I mean, is it outside pressures then or is it just the director saying, I'm comfortable with this if you're comfortable with this? rather than some producer saying, I'd prefer it if we had someone more of a size two doing the lap dance. Oh, I think it's a producer. I think it's for sure it's Hollywood. You know, it's, it's some guy who's never made a movie who um, couldn't get the size two girl who, is, you know, who just, but wants to see them. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, I, I, I do, I firmly believe in that. I really do believe in that narrative that there are, whether it's technology or any, anybody in power, right? who is trying to disrupt a narrative in a negative way is, is someone who uh, quite honestly just didn't handle life very well. I mean, I wish yeah. I, not, you know, I could be a lot meaner about it, but at the end of the day, it's like, <laughs> you're, just, you're just a douche. You are, you're, you're, you want this because you couldn't have it before. Mm -hmm. And you think for some reason now that you have a job that you should have it. Maybe it's your personality. Maybe it's who you are. Maybe there's a lot more and stop blaming these ladies, you know, or stop putting them in, you know, in these positions or, or, um, or negatively um, prescribing this thing because, you know, you, you want to push a narrative that's just not true. You know, I mean, and I, and by the way, I'm all for models being models and, you know, weightlifters being weightlifters and, you know, uh, people owning their bodies. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, uh, I'm not necessarily a big fan of this, generalization push right like tom brady's tom brady right yeah that doesn't mean we lower the standard for quarterbacks so everyone can compete with tom brady he's tom right he's beautiful he's married a couple supermodels. i mean he's 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 you know he's a unique person and we need uniqueness and i think there's a delicate balance that we have to live with right yes we have to celebrate uniqueness and at the same time learn to, learn to live together as a community yeah you know, I don't, I don't know if you do it well. <laughs> you know, but I would, I would hope we'd get better at it. You know, it seems like we, we seem to get caught up in these runs, right? Where it's, well, only this is unique now. We have to celebrate this. And, and, and I'm not, once again, I'm not prescribing that we should not celebrate and, and give pace or, 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 or space to people that, previously were not prescribed that because they should there's enough room for everyone at the table right there is there's enough pie there's enough cake there's enough whatever you want there's enough 
Um, and, and hopefully, you know, as we get older and wiser and smarter, you know, we'll, we'll figure out how to keep us all at the table without ostracizing, but dreams that I have for my kid. And you know where they're yeah. going to start? You know where those conversations start? Over a cocktail, Mickey. Look at full circle. <laughs> Professional. Professional. Start a cup of coffee, my ass, all right? It's going to give you bad breath. You need a cocktail. All right? Nobody want to talk to you after an hour you've had a cup of coffee and nothing else. Your breath smells like shit. But, oh, it's like my American lit teacher. Oh. Leaning over right here writing. Whew, that man. I had a, uh, a teacher, I will not mention her name. I don't even know if she's alive or not, but she is, uh, her name, I won't give her name. She was my teacher in Clancy, Montana. I don't know how much she made. Nice lady. No, she wasn't nice. That's not true. She was a very <laughs> hard woman. Probably had a hard life, but she was a hard woman. And uh, she would have mustard onion sandwiches and black coffee. Now, you want to know why I got a D in the third grade? I didn't want to ask any questions. Because nope. a raccoon shit in her mouth and Bigfoot <laughs> came along and threw his dirty toilet paper in there. Okay? It's all that happened. It was dank. It was just a thick. I mean, you could see the spit. You're like just seeing mustard and coffee oh, spit. Like in the, the corner. corners. You'll just be like, uh -huh. let's give it a little wipe and then burn those fingertips because they're going to stink forever. <laughs> Like, could you imagine how bad her floss smelled? Like she flosses her teeth. How bad her fingers stunk after flossing your teeth? Now, You're giving you, her the benefit of the doubt that she's flossing. I'm hoping so, right? I'm hoping she plays like a champion. <laughs> Play like a champion. Let's, let's, let's get that onion and mustard out of the cracks of your teeth. Pretty, <laughs> yes, please. Pretty please. You know, and swishing around some hot coffee is not going to help. Right? It's just not. No. Maybe we mix in a little water. Maybe a lemonade. Maybe a toothbrush. I don't know. We got, I got a lot of ideas that aren't going to cost you a lot of money that are going to help out quite a bit. But yeah, I mean, that's like, you just know, a little rinse, just a little rinse, just something, man. People, I, I'm, I'm paranoid. Mojito right, gum, something. Mojito gum, something. I will not tell the tea. I will not tell the principal you're drinking. Put a little whiskey in your coffee. I don't care. But she was, <laughs> I remember she would, if you got an answer wrong and she has, she had the old school erasers with the wood back and you had to oh, clap yeah. them together mm -hmm. and she would throw it at you. She'd hit you, huck oh, it across shit. the room. That woman could throw. There was no girl throw. It was just her throw. Hit you and just bang. I mean, you would be like, oh, was that? You're like, oh, I was talking when you were, okay, my mm -hmm. bad. Oh, I got the answer wrong. Oops, my bad. Didn't know I got an eraser <laughs> thrown at me. Fuck out of here. Now lady. bring that back up here. Yes. That's right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma here, here, so you can throw it to me again. By all means, let me give you your weapon of destruction back. <laughs> It's like getting shot. And then they're like, can you pull the bullet out and give it to me to reuse that? And you're like, oh, I have to hold on one second. Let me get that out yep. for you real quick. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Fucking assholes. Just craziness. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I, it's just, yeah. I mean, the, the world's a crazy place, right? It really is. Yeah. And full of know, crazy. It is. It's full of crazy. How do you deal with that? I mean, I don't leave the house most days. <laughs> Except to walk the dogs. <laughs> um, I mean, you. I start new interactions. You know, toe in the water. Mm -hmm. You gotta. You gotta see if you're dealing with crazy. Keep everything cordial. Be polite. Oh, politeness. I love politeness. Just 
<laughs> it'll get you everywhere. <laughs> Please and thank you. It does. As um, I tell my kid, manners matter. Two things matter. Mm -hmm. Listening matters. Manners matter. It's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. The rest works itself out. Because if you listen <laughs> and you're polite, right, then you're good. I mean, yeah. you really are. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just a crazy person. What, um, <laughs> now that, you know, so you're in San Diego, as you're saying, but mm -hmm. you, you've been down there during COVID, so you've kind of been homebound. Mm -hmm. California's opening up. You know, what are you, uh, what are you looking forward to? Now that, now that we're kind of getting back out into the mix of things, A, what, are there some things you're personally looking forward to? And then B, obviously this means a lot for, for your latest endeavor and what you're working on. You know, and um, and what can the community and audience do to uh, to help you out? I mean, honestly, I'm very excited to speak to people about my product without wearing a mask because I can't control my face and I <laughs> have a lot of expression and I feel like it says a lot of what I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that I, you know, I, I would love to get this in stores because right now it's just it's just online. Okay. Um, I would love to throw some parties. I've really upped my at-home cooking game this past uh, year. And just to have people in my house where no one's afraid to be in contact, in contact with, with people. Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe I am at heart a homebody. I am just really happy to be at home and do my own thing. Um, but yeah, get, getting out with our product is, is going to be a lot of fun. We, uh, we took a road trip with our dogs uh, a few months ago and we weren't quite ready to launch yet, but it would have just been so much fun to pop in in town and uh, pop in some bars because nothing was open. Mm -hmm. That I do miss finding the, the one steakhouse in town, having the martini there. <laughs> um, well, I got some friends that own some motels. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you their contact info. They're in Please Montana, do. but I will get you their contact info. Uh, my boy Sean, Cali Media and uh, Cali Barbecue down there. He does a lot of good stuff. I'm gonna put you in touch with him. Uh, and then if there's any other way I can help, I mean, please let me know because you know, this is, I one, you know, my some of my favorite things in, in talking to women who have accomplished things, you know, and are entrepreneurs and, and breaking barriers and just doing different stuff is I got a daughter. This is very selfish to me, right? Cause <laughs> I got to play her this and go, don't listen, listen, skip dad's talk. Listen, <laughs> listen to how she, listen to what she says. This is what she wants to do. Listen to what she's done because it's going to, it's going to put a roadmap down, you know, it's, it's going to um, enlighten and, and hopefully inspire her. Right. And, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not that I don't want to be the inspiration for, her, but I'm a dad. Like I'm not your friend. I'm your dad. Yeah. Right. So I just I, I host it. I host our relationship a little differently. And you're her it, guide, but also the enforcer. <laughs> exactly. And she needs guides, and she needs female guides that can understand where she's seeing the world that I just can't, because I'm not female. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> it is. It's, it's scary, but it's also, it's like, I mean, I'm here to protect you and help you and, and give you every tool I have kid, every tool I have. And, and some of that is this right here, right? Is that, uh, you know, 
we're uh, we've got a trip coming up. We're going to go to Nashville probably in, in the fall sometime. And I got to interview Manit Shohan, judge on Chopped, has four restaurants in Nashville, has a brewery in Nashville, a brewery park, has all sorts of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm talking to Manit, and I said, you know, my daughter's a big fan, and she's like, great. When you come to Nashville, I want to meet her. Doesn't want to meet me. <laughs> So let me be the, the old guy, the old guy, come on, stop. But wants to meet her. Yeah. You know, and wants to spend time with her. You know, so it's, and it's not that, you know, and, and there's no guarantee that Manit's going to be there and we show up or anything else. And once again, that's okay. But the fact, you know, I'm like, oh, well then it's working, right? Because, you know, Callie Tucker, who's a singer, a friend of mine, she came into town with her mom. Her mom's sister is Tanya Tucker, a 70s country Western star. And Callie was mm-hmm. on The Voice. And Callie and her mom come over and have dinner. Only selfishly so that my daughter can meet them. <laughs> right? I mean, Vanessa and my daughter FaceTime. Why? Because it's important to bring power. It's not that my wife's not a powerful woman, doesn't have powerful friends. Just diversity. In, Absolutely. In, in who's around you. And, and as you know, right? I mean your different friends have different friends around them mm-hmm. because of who you attract and why you attract them. And I attract, you know, I'm very lucky that I attract a, a inspired entrepreneurial groundbreaking people around me. I'm very blessed that way, you know? Uh, and I, I just, I don't need my daughter to be an entrepreneur. I don't need her to be a groundbreaker, but I do need her to understand who those people are so she can, she can understand influence and then understand that, She's not handcuffed, you know, and obviously those handcuffs change, right? From the 50s, yes. stay at home mom to the 70s, burn the bra, uh, you know, to the 80s of shit. What do I do again? Oh, I get my ass slapped. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, but I'm working, right? Yep, but I'm yep. in, I have a job. But I got a job. <laughs> that's, that's, get close, you know? So it's, you know, and then you go the, the 90s, shit, I don't know what happened in the 90s. You know, and then the 2000s, you know, is, is like this revolution of, of understanding and insights and, and women having the voice to be like, hey, by the way, you know, this is super shitty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, guys are like, huh? What are you talking about? You can slap my ass. That whole time. <laughs> that whole time been real shitty. And, and, and I always love that comment and, and uh, not to quote Rogan, but he said this, he goes, you know, it's, I'm never afraid that a woman's gonna harm me. I'm just not. I mean, obviously someone could, but I'm just not, I don't, I don't live that way. I don't live in the yeah. fear, narrow hallway, woman walking by. I'm not thinking, man, she could fuck me up. Mm-hmm. Women have that different feeling. All the time. All the time, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, you know, and I don't know how much of that can be changed, but the other aspect is, is what that does in confidence, what that does in, in who you are and how you respond to things and, and then in that world, right, you can make changes, right? In that world, you can keep these young women around, entrepreneurs around, around other females that are doing different things that are, that are striving for big goals and they can absorb that. And then it, it, it quelches that fear a little bit. You know, it, 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 it slowly starts to bring that down and starts emboldening new ideas, bigger, greater, stronger ideas. And now it's not, oh my gosh, it's, C- it's female CEO week. It's just CEO week. Cause there's yeah. just so many empowered, wonderful, strong women that, that weren't given an opportunity that earned an opportunity. 
You know, like you weren't given an opportunity to make awesome cocktails. You earned it. You, you worked your yeah. ass off. You weren't given yeah. an opportunity to bake goods and be good at it, be a chef at it. I made space for myself. <laughs> exactly. You fucking worked your ass off. Yeah. I, I hate this. We're going to give these ladies an opportunity. You don't need to be given shit. You already, you already work hard as hell. You've earned it. You don't be given yeah. anything that you've earned. It's like, I've earned my freedom. Let me give it to you. Fuck off. I don't need that shit. Yeah. You've earned it. You've earned it all. I mean, obviously you've earned my immense respect um, from the time I met you. And I'm, I'm very honored, uh, you know, that we've been able to stay in touch and thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Me too. One, Thank one you so much. One last question for you because I'm, yeah. I'm so long-winded. <laughs> what did you like about this process and what did you not like? And you're not going to hurt my feelings. About this process? Yeah, this thing. Uh... It took me a long time to get the lighting right for myself, but. <laughs> Other than that, that was great. I, I was very concerned because I had a friend, Rachel Rosenbauer, when I was maybe 11 or 12 years old, called me a crabby movie watcher because when there's a movie on and I'm watching it, I can't be talking like I'm zoned in. Mm-hmm. And so I was very concerned that I was <laughs> going to have that issue, but everything's cool. Everything's cool. <laughs> Good. Nice. And I mute. it was just out of my peripheral. It was, yeah. You poke up, you see something like that's interesting. Back to conversation. Yes. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll close with this. And I close with this on almost every podcast. You know, we can go to the store and buy some bread, go buy some fruit, go buy one of those pesky little fuckers they call avocados. And that's mm. going to go bad. In a, in a period of time and we always we have the we have the the means and the ability to go get more we're very blessed but time's the one thing you don't get back you just never do mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do to get it back and so whether we've been friends for you know almost 10 years or uh, whether it's been a stranger who comes on this podcast i i'm always amazed someone would take two hours out of their day to talk to me especially over a movie especially with my random comments so thank you for giving something that you know you can't get back. It means more to me than you know. You're a great guy. Thank you for being such a great conversationalist. Well, <laughs> you're very, very cool. well. <laughs> One more time for the people out there, where can they find your stuff? The website, the socials, the best way to get in touch with you, all that stuff. So, new fashion dry cocktails. We are www.thedrycocktail.com at thedrycocktail on Instagram or hashtag the dry cocktail if you already have one and you want to show me what you're drinking and where. I will be hashtagging the dry cocktail when we post this up. Um, and yeah, once again, Mickey, thank you so much. Uh, look for some emails coming up here. I've got to go pick my kid up, but when I get done with that, emails will be sent, my friend. Tequila old fashioned. Tequila old fashioned. <laughs> I'm doing it, I'm trying it. Right. Tequila old fashioned, it's in, for the, it's in for the holiday weekend. I, I will share some pictures and, and post those on, on, uh, on my socials as well. Thank you again, my friend. You have a wonderful day and uh, love you much. Be good. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you.